everyone. Welcome to Rewind the Love, a podcast about the best era in reality television. Recapping shows like Charm School, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, and all the great celeb reality shows that you love. I am Mike. And I'm Sonia. And we're almost done. Yes. Can you believe? I can't believe. This somehow went really fast and really slow. Well, the well, the slow part, because we kind of took a hiatus for a few weeks. That's true. That's what made it feel like a I didn't want to be the bit, one but... to say it, but here well, we are. It's... I mean, it was my fault, so... That's why I didn't want to say it. That's whatever. We're still we're still out here, still doing this. Coming up on the one year anniversary, by the way. When did we start? The first episode launched April twenty fifth. Oh my god. Or twenty fourth. Something. So like under that. a month. Yeah, so we're almost there. Holy I'm gonna try to time goodness. it up where we can start Rock of Love on like what would be the one year anniversary episode but we'll see well based on when this one and then the finale episode come out we're gonna have what two weeks in between i don't know i don't a week we could do do math we could do a fun bonus episode again i don't know if you guys y'all want to hear something cool i guess i don't know what we're doing anymore we're just greatest wrestlers from 2000 to 2000 absolutely fucking make it odd and weird absolutely fucking not 2010 why you can learn so much i don't care i'm not here to learn this isn't america's next top best friend well, then you're not built for charm school <laughs> on the bright side though this was a, a, a blah, an excellent episode kind of mixed things back up a little bit it definitely brought back some of the energy it it was still about petty fighting, but at least it was more relevant and it didn't seem as forced. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it's forced, but in a way. It's always forced, that, but like, it's also shady editing. Well, but, it's, know. I think that this episode was either the test for I Love Money yeah. or the, the spark that helped create the idea or like cemented at least the idea of doing I love money mm-hmm. just because of what happens ultimately in the second half of the episode. Don't want to give too much away at this point. No, you could hold but, off. Yeah. So I, I thought that this was a solid episode given how kind of whack everything's been. And it brought us one of the most iconic lines of the series, That's, arguably yes. the most. Yes. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. Yes. Hope everybody's doing well. By the way, I meant I say, to say most that of, earlier. I was gonna kind of start with that. Well, I, didn't, I don't want to dwell on it. You know, everybody's—it's inescapable. I just want to say, sending love and light to all of you. Yes. Hope everyone is being safe, being, being smart, being smart, just taking care of themselves mentally and physically, yes. emotionally, especially if you're, you know, dealing with Go some f- frontline yes. bullshit. Just wanted to send our love, sincere and appreciation yes. to all of you. And even if you're home, you know, just chilling, escaping your children or your spouse for a while, listening to us, we appreciate you as well. You're also doing your part to help flatten the curve. Yes. So we appreciate you too. Hashtag. We love, we love everybody for the most part. I'm going to talk about plenty of people that I hate. Oh, actually, I have a whole rant about somebody that I hate during the course of this episode. So I don't know why I'm coming from such a place of love and excitement right now. But well, you got to let that little bit out when you can. I will. Before all oh, I've, oh, I've got coming. it. Oh, oh, I've got it locked and loaded twofold. But like one more in particular. Anyway, like Val Venus. I get what? What the fuck is that? He's a former wrestler. Oh, from- of course. The 90s in the Attitude Era, who was like, his character was like a porn star. 
But his what the fuck? But his uh, his I saying, never understand the shit. Like no wonder we weren't allowed to watch it because I mean I would watch it what you watch sometimes now and I'm like well you know it's not that bad I mean I guess it encourages kids to roughhouse or whatever but then I forget that it's so different than what we grew up watching. No the stuff yeah it was when we grew up it was much more about the sex sells kind of stuff. At the very least, At the, yeah, like the women weren't really wrestling; it was all bra and panties. Inappropriate. You know? Let's talk about what you came here to listen to. But you didn't let me finish my Val Venus reference. Oh, because you said Go. locked Go. and ready, whatever. Go. His thing was like cocked, locked, and ready to unload. That's disgusting. And the writing on the shirt was like, I don't want to say. Well, it's then again, we're an explicit show, I guess. Yeah. It's like it was like jizz writing, kind of like Ew. white and like shaky, if I'm not, squiggly, if I'm not mistaken. Foul. Um, Hello, ladies. The big Valboski. I'm trying to think also because we're trying to turn this TV recommendation section into a thing. We haven't really been watching anything. We've been watching a bunch of really random movies well, and Golden you, Girls. You'll re- of course. And The Office. You're watching But the you'll very refuse to watch the terribly horribly made movies that we know will be funny and we want to watch. That like was that because, Australian... all right, so I, and granted, I have no idea what it's called, so I don't know exactly how to recommend it. The one time we watched this movie on Netflix. Two movies, actually. Well, well, one, did we, the gymnastics one was first, right? Yes, and then cheerleading And second. then the cheerleading is second. It's basically the same plot, just two different movies. An American girl moves to Australia, one time with her mom, one time with her dad, she is, it's basically kind of like uh, Elijah the Dushku's character in Bring It On, how she like moved to another school and like wanted to do gymnastics, but they like don't have a gymnastics team. But it goes one of two ways is like one time she starts one and the other time she joins cheerleading. She or, join. No, yeah, actually, yeah. no, I lied. She's a cheerleader at her school. And of course, because it's Australia and they don't have American football, they don't like do cheerleading the same way. Either way, it's it's a horribly made movie, like Zoe one on one style cinematography. Though we're gonna have to find out. We're the gonna name. have to find it. The names for both of them, they're like horrendously bad. But we sat through both of them for no reason. If you get the chance and you find it online, well, things we've seen recently. I'm a big fan of the Sonic movie. I thought they actually did the video game some justice and made it like enjoyable and funny. Still, I'm trying to think what else we watched. We watched um, something like it hot. If you're looking for old classics, hey, it was the first time I saw it. Yeah, mine, I mean, me too. It was an entertaining movie. I can't believe how much you liked it. It's very white chicks slash... I mean, this is the template for a lot of that stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, pretty much any movie where someone had to either dress as a woman or man. Yeah. Well, not necessarily a man. I think that it was like Shakespeare, right? Wasn't that what... Well, there's that movie with, uh, what's it? Oh, she's the from man. From the 80s. Oh. Love, well, She's the Man. With she's the Man is based on this one, the one that you're talking about. Just uh, one of the guys. Of the guys. Yes. Love that movie. And then that one is based on Shakespeare. My English degree at work, folks. I cannot, for the life of me, remember which Shakespeare one. It, what is She's the Man based on? It's very, oh, it's remember. very blatantly like. One of them. Oh, this is killing me. This is so embarrassing. And I know somebody's listening and being like, you fucking idiot. It's this. It's not the temp- no, not the Tempest. No, not definitely I not the no Tempest. That much I know. Anyway, one of a million times of me saying anyway, by the way. Because 
Ten and things I watched, hate about oh, you is the other one. We we watched Night at the Rock. My first time watching Night at the Roxbury. Yes, okay. I really loved it. It is honestly one of the most underrated movie soundtracks of all time. I enjoy music you. so much. I never disagreed with you. No, not said- you. I mean, that's more of a universal thing because I every time you see one of those things on Twitter or something that says. What are your top like three or top five soundtracks ever? That's easily there for me. It's probably my number one. That's bold claim. As a personal, not like where it's going to be like, oh, like John Williams wrote this score. Well, like, no, we're not talking about. Well, first of all, like scores and soundtracks are two different discussions. When you watch the movie, there's not one missed song. There is not. I the funniest thing to me, and I tweeted this for anybody that follows me on Twitter at Sonia Marie says, I just found it so bizarre that if you were to be watching this movie whenever it came out like 99 i'm sure right something like that you would come out of that movie being like one chris Catan did a pretty good job chris Catan is one of my favorite snl cast members of all time but he not only did a pretty good job you wouldn't come out of that movie thinking oh the person who's going to have the career trajectory of comedy legend is going to be will ferrell yeah like, I was like, the more I was thinking about it, I was like, he was such a waste in that movie. How dare you? He's, he's hilarious. He's boring. He is funny. He's not. I mean, he's funny in general. Talladega Nights is one of my favorite yes. comedies of well, all time. Well, this is also before Will Ferrell was Will Ferrell. Like, Will. That's before. what I'm saying. This is like introductory, like barely a cast member on SNL still at the that's, time, I think. That's my point. Well, no, obviously he was very much involved in the cast if he was. Well, I mean, he wasn't part of like, the sketch that I need more cowbell movie. level yet. We might have to check dates on that. We don't know. I, yeah. We don't know. He might have done the Spartan cheerleading thing, but that's about it. I love that sketch. Yes. But that's the thing. You watch that movie. I'm saying if you take that movie in a vacuum, you wouldn't think to yourself, oh, this is the guy that's going to be like arguably the, the best movie comedian, sc- yeah. like the best, the biggest movie comedy star. Pretty much after Sandler. Adam Sandler had all those gigantic movies. He right. made a ton of money. And then next it's like, well, who's the next big comedic? Ben Stiller was one. Ben Stiller, but he doesn't, like, you don't think of him as an SNL cast me. Obviously, oh, he you was, think SNL. But... I thought you meant just, like, the oh. comedy iconic Well, I thought person. you were saying SNL. No, 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 no. Well, I'm, although Adam Sandler has the ties, it's more meant to be, like, when you think, like, comedic actors, a lot of people always think the Sandler movies, Will Ferrell-style movies, Ben Stiller movies. I don't know why I'm blanking out on who would have been a bigger comedy star in the 90s. I guess it depends on when I mean, the, the, 90s the mid and late, like Steve Martin still had some pretty decent movies. Yeah, but he's not like, it's not the same. Like, that's, you're talking about very different. He was also 80s. The Jerks. Somebody hates these cans. It's one of the funniest fucking scenes in movie history. I've never seen that movie. Oh. Uh, and my mom gets so mad every time I bring it up because she loves that movie. It start well, it starts with him. I, think I was starts, a poor black child. Poor black child. child. I know. Like, Wait, what? I know. That's what my mom thinks. Works at the gas station. The cans are exploding. And he looks and then he sees someone shooting. Somebody hates these cans. Oh, my God. That movie is funny. All right. So now we've gone. Now that we've got ventured so far from what we're here to do. Watch Dragon Ball Z Cell Saga. What? Watch. I'm giving people things to watch. If you haven't watched Tiger King yet, which I mean, like, I don't understand. How have you not? Yeah. It's more so right now finding out what the next Tiger King is going to be. You know what's terrible? Because we all like, got probably a month sitting at home again. Because the problem is we, in case that isn't clear from the fact that like y'all listen to the show and you've been listening to us for almost a year now, that all we do is sit home and watch TV. So when we are now told all literally all you can do is sit home and watch TV, we're like, well, we've 
fucking watched a lot of things already. We're like, like running, we're running out of shit to watch. So I'm thinking about rewatching. I'm torn right now between Mad Men, Orange is the New Black. What was the other one I say? The Crown. Oh, The Office. No. <laughs> and The Sopranos, partially you inspired. You just watched The Sopranos. I know, but it's so good. And, okay, so I, I realize I haven't recommended this podcast yet. So for Sopranos fans. Let's do it this way. If there's three shows right now you can recommend to people to watch. It can be anything. Movie, show, just three things to well, watch. Well, it, it really it depends be? on what else people have seen. Well, if you give three things, it gives no, them an because... idea of like, oh, well, if I've seen one, let me try one of the other two. No, that's a much different conversation. <laughs> We're already wasting almost 15 minutes on this. The whole intro but is this, yeah. it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Golden Girls is always my go-to. It's my feel-good go-to show. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't watched The Crown, see, my... My recommendation of The Crown is complicated because I think if you watch it the first time through, you have to watch all three seasons. But if you're watching it again, like when I plan on watching it again, I think I'm going to go straight to the second season because the first season is good. But the second season to me is like top tier. And then the third season, I don't mind it, but people seem to hate it. I don't know. I thought the guy they brought in to play Prince Charles is fucking excellent. Like, it should have been Carol from Tiger King's husband. Oh, please. He's not playing. He's not. We're not at that age yet. Oh, is This that, is pre-Diana, remember? Right? Season four season, is when Well, no. Season four is when Diana first appears. And then I think season five is when they're going to end it. And that's when they're going to bring in oh, old geez. Prince Charles. All right. Hopefully Netflix will reach out. Yeah. I don't think we're trying to get bring Howard a tiger. Baskin. Let's have I don't, fun. We don't need Howard not Baskin Carol. in Fuck here. Not Carol. Carol. Howard? Howard is his name, I said. Howard. So we're not bringing Har- Howard Baskin. Oh, uh, Go watch Howard the Duck. Are you fucking kidding me? Howard the Duck. And I'm trying to think what my third thing. I mean, I want to say The Sopranos because I, if you haven't watched The Sopranos, my third recommendation is watch The Sopranos because I came into it very skeptical. Obviously, we grew up in that part of Jersey. Mm -hmm. Literally, one of the first seasons of the show is like a mile away from my house. That's how invested I am. Like, that's how Sopranos land we're in. Bada Bing is like 10 minutes from us. We pass it all the time, we've said. So... But I was like, all right, how good is it really? Because people are like, it's the best show of all time. And as much as I loved, I, as much as I enjoyed The Wire, I was like, this is a lot. Like, I'm, it's a lot. The Sopranos, I was instantly hooked and needed to watch all of it immediately. So I was going to say, what I was going to say, actually, I was going to say my second tier recommendation, my second recommendation then, if, I mean, my third, if you haven't seen The Sopranos, if you have seen The Sopranos, my other one would be... Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to think about it more. I'll True. get back to you all. Not that any of this matters. This is also stupid. Oh, watch Bad Girls Club if you can find it online. Or um saying, oh, stick with oh my the god. Show. I know. Um if you love reality TV and you don't already fuck with Real Housewives of Potomac, fucking watch that shit. Season five is about to be bonkers. The trailer looks so good. Now that's another show where like the first season, first two seasons, kinda rough. Stick it out. I promise you it's worth it. This last season was like there were no misses in episodes the entire season. And season five looks like it's going to take mm-hmm. that and exceed it. Nice. So Real Housewives of Potomac, I guess, is my recommend. I love that it's like The Sopranos or Real Housewives of Potomac. Yeah. I feel like that very well sums up well, my you personality. Can, it's also if you get tired of watching one, you can get a switch. You know, it's like if you're watching a bunch of comedy things, you're like, oh, I need to watch Nintendo a drama. Switch right or, now. 
a drama. That's true. Drama. What's a drama? Could have swore I said drama. You said drama. Anyway, so side note, part of my Sopranos, like, love has led me to a podcast called Pajama Pants that's hosted by Jamie Lynn Siegler and Rob Eiler, who played uh, AJ and Meadow Soprano. They're adorable. Their friendship is so sweet. And there's like another guy that used to be a YouTube guy. I've never heard of him. I hadn't heard of him prior, but I like him. He's fine. And it's basically just three friends like shooting the shit. But Jamie and Rob, despite being on the show, have never watched The Sopranos. Yes. So highly recommend their podcast, but also and now like but so now Jamie is in quarantine, obviously, because she's got little kids and she has MS. And she's watching The Sopranos now. And it's so sweet to watch her watching it. I don't know. It's so sweet. It warmed my heart. But yeah, that's what we're watching. Not that I'm going to give everybody a warning to skip all of this shit. It's so fucking boring. <laughs> but just to let you know, we're about to rant for 10 to 15 minutes on TV shows. I know. But hopefully, I mean, it's like you watching Night at the Roxbury. You opened up a little, which is why you still need to watch Spaceballs. Yeah. I want you to watch because I think it's it's one of my favorite shows ever was the first season of Spartacus before the guy got cancer and died. The main actor. I forget his name, so I apologize. R.I.P. Um, but the first season of Spartacus was so fucking good. I think I watched it's an the episode. It's one of the most like, slept on shows, I think. I watched like one ever. episode once in college and I was like, this is a lot. It's awesome. Because I also don't like. I'm sorry. I if you if you love it's it, it's so different. If you though. love it, that's fine. I respect and understand. It's just not it's my ministry. Different. I've certainly tried. It seems alike enough. So can we get into the actual thing that we're here to talk about? No VH1CU news. I don't think. And if anyone wants, please go on Twitter and shame Sonya into watching Avengers: Infinity War, please. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that either. I beg not of really you. Dying too. She's not. Oh, we watched Birds of Prey and it was fine. It was okay. It was entertaining. Margot Robbie is like the goat right now. Yeah, I like her. She's incredible. All right. Charm right, school. Finally, for the 800th time. Please what? do not forget to rate, review, subscribe. Tell friends who don't suck. You Five can watch stars, along please. with us on Hulu and not, wink, 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 nudge, 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 watch it on YouTube if you don't have Hulu. I haven't checked that in a while. I don't know if it's there. Well, I mean, the important scenes from this episode yes, will be there. We'll get there. I feel like if there's any episode that's on there, it's well, definitely you'll get clips this at least, one. Yeah. All right. So do you want to get us started? Yes. We are on Charm School, season one, episode eight hilarious that we did not know the title and one of our previous episodes is close to this uh but tore up from the floor up and we open in on becky side note uh on imdb and i think some other platform it's titled the prom i don't know why they it's gotten two i didn't titles, see that title but anywhere but either way I, it's either I, or imdb it's the prom yeah I could see it as either or. So everybody's sleeping. We go back to an everybody's sleeping sequence, except for Becky, who's up drinking her vitamin water. Yes. And she's saying uh, she's still here. She's going to make the most of it um, yeah, she since feels, it was supposed to be over for her. Yeah. She said she feels bittersweet because Larissa basically talked her way into getting eliminated instead of Becky. As we know from last week, Monique said to Becky's face, like, literally, you were supposed to go home. Like, that's it. So, again, she's reinvigorated, ready to put up a fight for the final spot. Monique calls over the loudspeaker that they have to put on their full uniform and meet downstairs in the Grand Hall for the next lesson. We get a getting dressed montage for straight men, apparently. Yep. And Monique quickly standing in front of a bell, which we don't even hear a bell ring. They have a bunch of really weird school decor that I'm only starting to 
recognize now. I noticed something else later on, but we'll talk about it. So they come downstairs and similar to the setup the last couple weeks in terms of lessons, we've got Monique, Mickey, and a man standing by uh, the movable chalkboard. So Monique says to them, you know, it's it's time to almost send my lovelies back out into the world and I want to make sure that you're prepared for absolutely anything. So she says in a talking head that it's very important for the ladies to learn about relationships because she knows that they have bad judgment when it comes to men. And again, I was thinking to myself, oh, thank goodness, like this is actually a pretty solid lesson, like a good subject for a lesson, you know, because clearly a lot of the all of these women are here because their relationships with men are problematic. Like, I mean, their love life, whether they were attracted to him or not, is the reason why we're all here. So clearly their taste is questionable at best. So Monique tells us and them that commandment number nine is unless thou can play, thou wilt be played. Thunderclap, Gregorian monk chant, whatever. So, and I did not remember this at all. Here to bestow his wealth of knowledge in male and female relationships, Tariq Kingflex Nasheed. Now, I said Sounds that I like hated, a wrestler. I, I said that I hated Keith, right? And I still hate Keith. Like, fuck Keith. I still think Kevin from last week should have been the judge, the dean in his place. Tariq Nasheed is infinitely worse. Uh-huh. Like, cannot stress enough how awful this man is. And you have you know nothing about him, correct? Nothing. So Monique tells us, and the Chiron says that he is a New York Times bestselling author. I cannot confirm or deny this. I, despite my Google search, I, I you consider myself to be like a pretty good like detective, like online detective. I can usually find people pretty quickly and well. I hit so many roadblocks in so many aspects of my searches that I needed to do this week, and I'm fucking pissed about it. So he's a fucking author, right? Basically, he is a pickup artist before pickup artistry Was got it- big. Before it became a VH1 thing. Well, so that's the thing is like my knowledge prior to all of this. So there was a VH1 show after this. I forgot what year called The Pickup Artist, which was a fascinating show. I don't know how well it would hold up. I can't imagine very well. All I remember is that the one guy at the end had sex with a stripper. Nice. Allegedly. Uh, We don't know. So... Pickup artistry, for those who don't know, I feel like I'm going to have to do a lot of explaining this week, but that's fine. I love, I'm happy to do it for you all. Pickup artistry is basically men who can't get women and feel slighted by that using manipulation to get women. That went from being just the VH1 show of like, okay, you guys are all losers who can't get girls. Here's how you get girls to being the basis of men's rights activist groups right so that's how we end up here this whole chad uh and i forgot what the female version of a chad is called but basically just it it led to all the resentment that is now bubbling on that section of the internet nowadays now i don't know how directly i don't know the timeline of how Tariq nasheed affected this I know that he wrote these books in like, he wrote this book. His first book is called The Art of Mackin. 
Let me read the description for you all because it's terrible. The art of Meccan once again. So the before great books such as The Mystery Method by Mystery, The Game by Neil Strauss, and Double Your Dating by David D'Angelo and many others, there was the critically acclaimed game manual, The Art of Mackin by Tariq Kingflex Nasheed, first written in 1999 and released in 2000. This is the Amazon description, by the way. This updated and revised edition of The Arts of Mackin takes a unique yet serious look at modern male-female relationships from a player's point of view. The Art of Mackin was first was the first how-to book that taught men how to actually become a true lady, apostrophe S, man, and how to use certain techniques, not deceit, which if you need to clarify that, sounds sketchy, in order to get what they wanted from women. Whether it is sex, money, or companionship, this book teaches men what to say verbatim in order to reach their intended goal. By using these techniques, I am not implying that you do anything negative, again, sketchy as fuck i'm just teaching guys to stay on top of their game when dealing with women the art of mackin is also the first book that tells men what to say word for word in order to get sex from women guaranteed by using my tried and proven methods of mackin men are guaranteed to increase their player ratio by at least 50 percent 60 percent of the time works every time there you go so it's like, do you not know the rest of the line? I was line? waiting. I wanted you to finish the rest of the line. So after that, he wrote another book called Play or Be Played, what every female should know. A female. Anytime a guy calls a woman female like that, red fucking flag. Like whoosh, whoosh, red flag. Waving. The Mac within. And then, ladies, we're not being excluded from his narrative. We also get The Art of Gold Digging in 2008. Lucky us. Equal uh, equal, equal opportunity fuckery. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because this came out in 2008 and I kind of wondered because obviously this show aired in 2007 how much was influenced by whatever. When people hear the word gold digger, they automatically conjure up images of a woman who is deceptive, conniving, and manipulative. They also assume that a gold digger is the type of woman who will do anything and everything to get over on men and to get money from them by any means necessary. This book is going to clear up some of those myths and misconceptions and give you a real understanding about the true art of gold digging. Ladies, you must first understand that there is nothing wrong with wanting the best out of life. Oh, well, thank you. Many women have secret desires to wine, dine, shop, and travel the world with a man or men of means. The reason why many women keep these desires secret is because society often makes it seem like it's morally wrong for a woman to openly express these desires. You're one of those men, though. Not you, the Tariq Nishi. He's a piece of shit. Uh, since the beginning of time, society's looked down on a woman who wanted it all. More than that, society has done its part in suppressing a woman's desires. See, what's funny is like that sentence alone, very progressive. <laughs> if you put it in the context of everything else, terrible. So this book is going to help you make these desires come true without hiding behind moral smoke screens. This book is going to help you become a guilt-free gold digger. By and large, women are more attracted to men with money than to men without money. History has shown this to be true. It is something we continue to see every day, not just in the media, but in our cities and neighborhoods. It's a harsh reality that you have to accept and blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't, ex- shouldn't have to make... Oh, this description is fucking stupid. Why did I save all of this? 
I'm teaching you some techniques uh, that these true gold diggers use men to lavish them with endless riches. Some of the things that I will teach you in this book will be the mind state of a gold digger. Where rich men hang out, how to attract rich men, what types of clothes a gold digger should wear, how to carry yourself around rich men, what men avo- what men to avoid, and much, much more. He definitely wrote this inspired by the show, right? I would think so. He had to have. And then the last one is called The Elite Way. I will spare you the de- description, but just know that it sucks. So what's Tariq Nasheed up to now, right? I'm sure that's what you're all dying to know. Um, He's apparently made some movies, stupid, corny horror movies. But let me tell you some of his uh, modern day beliefs. He's on Twitter. Check it out if you like making yourself angry. He believes that the Cosby rape allegations are made up because racism. Okay. He made headlines a few months ago for being mad about a British supermarket doing an LGBT lettuce, guac, bacon, tomato sandwich, part of a pride promotion, claiming that it's part of the gay agenda. He recently called Jody Turner Smith. She's the woman from Queen and Slim who's married to Joshua Jackson now. I know that someone's married to Joshua Jackson, so okay, yes. <laughs> he called her a bed wench, which is what uh, he calls black, which w- is a Black term. women who date white men? Yes. And all of his most recent tweets at the time of this recording are basically shaming anyone who tries to support Asian Americans against the current ra- wa- wave of racism. Wow. So in the end, he's just a piece of shit. Yeah, he's basically a hotep and a bigot and just the worst kind of person all of this side note those last two points about him apparently being against interracial relationships and you know slamming asian americans for you know not wanting to be treated like garbage all of that is made interesting because two of his you know bullshit kind of books feature asian women pretty prominently on the cover Hmm. so just interesting how things turn around the ladies are surprisingly very smitten by him, despite the fact that he looks goofy as hell with an ill-fitting suit and a tie that looks like a fucking computer manual from the 1990s. I fucking hate this man. So Becky's like, he looks like a pimp. I like pimps. Whatever. So Monique leaves and designates Mickey, who I noticed that she calls Miss Mickey Taylor a lot. I don't know. Just something I observed. Hmm. I haven't noticed that. It's, I mean, it's a little late now. but oh, yeah. <laughs> So she designates Mickey as uh, her eyes while everything is going on and tells them that this is one lesson that they should pay extra close attention to. So Monique says that the ladies deserve better men. They just need to know how to find them because on Flavor of Love, he was all like touching up on them and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it more, and I wished that they had shit on Flavor Flav a little bit more, but I guess at that point, he was still their cash cow, and they knew that there was going to be a third season of Flavor of Love, if not literally making the plans for it at this moment, but assuming that, or at least pushing for it to happen again, Yeah, that they couldn't really shit on him, but like, there was not enough done to be like, clearly your taste in men is shit. (laughs) It was like very heavily implied, but not strongly enough for me. So Tariq writes Relationships 101 on the chalkboard. And Shay's like, Tariq is such a great teacher. It's always good when you have someone up there who's cute because you pay more attention to what they're saying. And I'm like, 
Oh my God. Gross. Like, I mean, I guess they can't know the full extent and obviously things were different in the 2000s. But like, what the fuck? So Tariq explains the four different types of men who have who he keeps saying who have the four P's. The men have the four P's, but there are four. The four P's are actually the four different types of men. Like, make up your mind. Like, but like the last type. No, of man? every. Uh, I just took the four. There's four P's, but every but man the, has all four of no, these. No, every. No, that's that's what it should be. It's that the four types of men that are the bad ones, quote unquote, are the P's. are the four P's. But the one good type of man, the fifth man, is has all four P's. It's a combination of all four P's. Because it's an equal balance. It's but that's but not but not the rest of them are in an equal balance. Yeah, that's the point. No, so he breaks it down on fucking pie charts. Don't ask me why. I don't know where these facts and figures come from. So the first type of guy he calls out is the player. There, this pie chart consists of eighty percent charisma, ten percent sexual aptitude, five percent sensitivity, and five percent profitability. I think that these numbers are bull. I mean, obviously the numbers it's in general are bullshit. Yeah. But I think when I think about the people I know in my life who were players, whether I've dated them or just knew them or whatever. Those numbers fluctuated. And also charisma gets you a lot of those other things. Like, or at least, at the very least, it can get you profitability. It can help earn you more sex so you can have better sexual aptitude. Like, these numbers are fucking whack. So this guy is focused on getting on getting the number of women and notches on their belt that they're not about taking care of business. Again, respectfully disagree. Disrespectfully disagree. So he's like, have any of you dated a player? And then they do a close up on Brooke and then they do a flashback to Brooke, Flav and Hoops, who I guess for all intents and purposes, we should call Nicole in this context. (laughs) In the shower in Mexico, right? That's where they were? Yes. Disgusting. I did not need to be reminded that that was a thing that existed. So Becky's like, Becky, Brooke is like, I've dated a lot of losers, but I'm hoping this lesson helps me spot who the right guy is for me. Okay. Next type of guy is the pushover, who is 92% sensitivity, 1% sexual aptitude, 2% charisma, and 5% profitability. Again, disagree with those numbers. Whatever. These numbers are all bullshit. I don't even know why I'm bringing that up. Tariq says that this is a guy who's all about doing whatever you say, catering to your every need, a guy who will jump whenever you say jump. And, like, I love that all of this shit is framed as, like, bad things. Like, this is the recurring theme is the guys who are pushovers. And I don't know. Maybe this is because I'm in my 30s. I'm married to a nice person. You know, that, like, I'm, like, I'm I'm unclear. Somebody who cares about you is bad? Is a pushover. No, but, I mean, obviously, and obviously there's a huge difference between some a guy or a person being a pushover and being, like, a good person. But basically the framing that he gives in this context, like, it's if a, he would have said, it's a nice but guy. to an extreme, then... Yeah. Like, I... It, this is, like, reinforcing that whole idea that ladies don't like nice guys. And obviously we're applying all of this very heteronormatively. But, mm-hmm. I mean, straight people are stupid. We're stupid. It's all stupid. 
So he asked them if any of them have ever dated a, a pushover before. And they focus on Becky. And then they do a flashback to the gondola ride where Flav is like rapping at her. And he's like, roses are red. My suit is blue. I drink all of this water for you. Something like that. Something like that. And I'm like, if I could think of Flav. Flav fits a lot of these categories, but pushover is not one of them. Pushover they really would reached hands down be the last. They really reached to find this fucking like correlation. Yeah. The third type of P is a parolee, which is eighty percent sexual aptitude, fifteen percent charisma. 1% sensitivity and 4% profitability. I don't have any experience with a parolee, but I am just curious about the breakdown of those numbers. If you do, feel free to tell me how this ranks, but I would think that the charisma might be a little higher. Profitability potentially might be a little lower depending on what their yeah. crime was. Like I think that's an important factor. Their profitability may be much higher, maybe much lower. Who knows? This is what he says is thugs, gangsters, hustlers, but they know exactly how to handle themselves in the bedroom. And that's exciting to women, he says to a room of women. Like, obviously, somebody knowing how to handle themselves in the bedroom is exciting, regardless of your fucking sexuality. Like, it's like, amazingly, to women, they enjoy good sex. Isn't that wild? We fucking know. He also brings up that there's not News a lot News to of- men everywhere. Shut- <laughs> I mean, well- it could be. There's a lot of men out there that don't understand that we also want to enjoy ourselves. The look of the arm on the hip and the head tilt. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> so he says there's not a lot of sensitivity there. He asks if any of them have dated a parolee before. Technically, because they all dated Flav. Yes. They all have. But then we get to Shay and Flav, a flashback to Shay and Flav making out on the bed that I don't really remember, but I easily could have just pushed it out of my mind. It happened. When? Because he got grabbing her butt or something. Yeah, I know, but, like, I don't remember the context. Yeah. It might have been a one-on-one date. Oh, you know what it was? You know what it was? I think they they did have a one-on-one date. It was, like, he was going to the rooms, I think, at different points. I think she had a breakfast date with him. I could be... Who fucking cares? So... <laughs> Shay says in a talking head, I was drawn to a parolee. I don't think it was necessarily Flav. We don't know. Because he did things well. So, I mean, I guess they just included that to reinforce the point. He was proper. No! Why did you bring that up? Because it's funny. It's not! The fourth P is the professional. 90% profitability, 4% sexual aptitude, 4% charisma, and 2% sensitivity. I mean, I haven't really dated since professionals, since I was old enough to know a professional. But I don't know. If you have, let me know how these numbers stack up, I guess. Or don't. It's fine. So this guy is about his money. Uh, so obviously they focus on Laylene and they cut to Flav standing outside the rented jet, the VH1 rented jet, the two of them in the hot tub together as if that's his fucking house and that he had anything to do with this plan. And then him on the boat in season two when he's like waiting for New York. The second, the the really awkward one Living where they got into the awkward life, fight. Yo. Tariq's like, oh, have any of you ever dated a professional? 
So Laylene awkwardly laughs and she's like, I was married to a professional, professional asshole. And then she goes into this whole description about he's like, oh, he was really into working. And like, I had to be, you know, leave it to Beaver, Cleaver life at home. But that's not who I am. And in a tiny moment of shady editing slash foreshadowing, we get Brooke looking visibly bored and rolling her eyes. She, Laylene, does a talking head saying she wants to learn from this and do better in the future. So Tariq then tells them that there is a guy that has the positive characteristics of all four of these guys, and he is known as the urban renaissance man. Yes. This guy has swagger, but is not, but is also still about their education. He can be somewhat sensitive, still a little gangsta, suave and mentally stimulating, but also knows how to satisfy you sexually. These are the exceptional men, which I think is always like an awkward... Like, especially in reference to black, the idea of exceptional. And this is going to go over your head. It's fine. No, it kind of goes into with uh, New York and Becky last week. What do you mean? Oh, so all black people are ghetto? She's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. No. Remember during the interview? No, no, no. I know. But what does that have to do with what I'm saying? In this case, it's like if you don't appeal to society standards, you're not considered. Yeah. Exceptional is like way too lofty of an expectation for anybody like nobody's perfect. I mean, but there's also this idea of the exceptional Negro. It's like a complicated. Oh, so there's like a whole other. No, I just was saying exception. Like the idea of the exceptional feels like a loaded term, but that's besides the point. So Brooke in a, I guess unintentionally because it was 2007 transphobic comment says, I'm surprised to learn that there were so many different kinds of men, which is kind of stupid. Like, obviously, there are different types of men. I was surprised to learn there are so many different kinds of men. I just thought there was one type of man, the one with a dick. Yikes. Hindsight, 2020. Well, she, yeah. Obviously, no, I'm not expect. I'm not, like, trying to cancel her for this. You know what I mean? Like, if you would have asked most of us in 2007 what a man consists of, we all would have said, has a dick, but... Many of us have learned since then, you know, not everybody with a dick is a man. There's not everybody to, with a yes. man is a dick. There's more to life and science. Yes. So Brooke says to Tariq, do you have to sleep with every kind of man to figure out if you've met the urban renaissance man? And Tariq laughs. I, I <laughs> listen. No. no. Yes. I, the answer. Man. I mean, Every time. Listen, I am all for the princess and the pea approach or the Cinderella trying on your shoe approach. Find whatever works for you and conquer as many people in the process consensually. I just think that like the idea of getting to know someone vagina first complicates things. That's my preface for this whole episode. You know, some of us have been there before. (laughs) You know, there's there's other ways. And I'm not slut shaming. Like I said, have the most fun, especially when you're in in your 20s. Be safe. Be smart. Consent. Just be smart and be safe. Yeah. That's what she's trying to say. Yes. That's literally what I just said. That is what I'm trying to say because it's what I said. It's like you're twisting it to find something else to say. 
Anyway, so Tariq laughs at this because it's like the answer is no, you know, like that's not how you find him. It could be how you find him, but it's that's not that shouldn't be your methodology. And Shay makes a point to say in a talking head, Brooke is a nasty little whore. Hua. Hua. So Tariq says, if a person can mentally stimulate you, you can work all of the other stuff out, which I think is actually good advice. You know, broken clock, right twice a day. So Mickey tells the ladies that this is where it gets interesting. Tonight, they'll have a chance to apply all of what Tariq shared with them at the first ever charm school prom. The ladies lose their fucking minds. And what's so funny is they're like, oh, these ladies, like, Safari does a talking head and she's like, these ladies haven't seen men in, like, a long time. And it's like, it's probably been two weeks. Yes. It might be a long time for some of them. I mean, I guess. Prom tonight. Do, 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 So several engaging, very eligible bachelors will be brought in to join the ladies for an evening of dancing and socializing. And the four P's will be amongst them, as well as one true urban renaissance man in, in the mix. At the end of the evening, the ladies, the whoever picks the urban renaissance man will be safe from getting expelled. So Brooke says in a talking head that she's very excited for prom because when she thinks of prom, she thinks of drinking and dancing. And those are two things that she loves to do. And then class is dismissed. And then commercial, whatever. Who cares? So when we come back from commercial, the ladies are all kind of chilling, getting ready for prom and or like sort of pre getting ready. And Shay's like, well, what happens if we all choose the wrong guy? Exactly. Foreshadowing. What if? So there, we find out this is what we find out. There are going to be seven guys there to, I guess, make things a little bit more challenging. So a bunch of dresses on a rack are wheeled in as per usual when this kind of thing happens. The dresses are all hideous. Random rolling rack. Is that a thing? Out of nowhere. A rolling rack is no, like I know, a I know that's what it, I, I know. For VH1 shows, it always seems like they just wheel in like a random rack of something. But like for the 2000s, those were like the junior prom looks. Like mm-hmm. very Deb, very rainbow. So Laylene and Brooke are sitting together. All the ladies are like curling their hair within an inch of their life. It is truly a sight to behold. So Brooke and Laylene are sitting together and Brooke's like, oh, are you going to show any of the guys like any of the lingerie you have? And Laylene's like, no. And Brooke's like, well, I'm not wearing any panties. Oh, boy. So Becky and Safari are getting ready in the bathroom and they're going over the traits they're looking for in an urban renaissance man. There's Becky, you know, as we established, is taking this very seriously. And then Monique calls them all down to the grand hall. So Monique meets them downstairs and all the ladies are lined up. Becky is in this spaghetti strap, A-line, like white gown. There's a bunch of beading on the bust. Brooke is in this red strapless A-line gown with these really hideous ruffles on the bottom. Safari is in a black and white dress which is oh my god it was so 2000s if you remember if you watched like me wedding shows during the 2000s there was this look where it was like this one dress that was everywhere that was like red across the top and then like a red sash across the middle and then like a red slit in the front and then red lacing and all that shit in the back and it looks like Safari is in basically the black and white version of that gown. It is 
hideous. Laylene's dress is the one I like the best. And also, I think it's a fantastic color on her. Mm-hmm. She, it's like a pink, like A-line. Well, she or could pretty mermaid. much wear anything. No, I know. But it's also like, it's a nice dress. Like, even if it wasn't on her, like, it would still be a nice dress. And there's like, it's a little off the shoulder sleeve. And there's a little chiffon embellishment, kind of like flowers on the side. It's very cute. I like that one a lot. And then Shay is in this strapless periwinkle A-line gown with some, like, very 2000s detailing. And I gave them all corsages, which I thought was really cute. Nice. Monique, side note, was wearing this outfit before, but it is hideous. It is, like, it looks like a, like a sponge painting, kind of. It's, like, teal and cream and brown and a camel neck and flutter sleeves and this tan peasant-style skirt. It is hideous. I'm bringing 2000s fashion corner back literally just for today so monique's like oh you all look so great beautiful in your gowns you know i hope you like them because i picked them out myself and i'm like no you didn't one you probably didn't but two of you did whoever's responsible for this is bad because there's one dress that becky tries on that is like pink and orange like in that same kind of spongy kind of print that monique has on earlier And even Becky, who dresses tacky as fuck, as we've established many a time, is like, I look like Barbie threw up on me. (laughs) So this is when the gentlemen are introduced. So she reminds us and them that the stereotypes that we're all that they're supposed to be looking out for. And it turns out that they are associated with specific men in the room. So we get introduced to Joey and Dewan, who are the players. Jimmy. Joey. Oh, I thought it was Jimmy. 100% Joey. All right. He's like a shorter Latino dude, cornrows, pierced ears, works as a strip club DJ, it says. Like, they do this thing on the side that was very much like uh, Next. Yes. For those who remember Next, we might have to try to find those and maybe do it as like random episodes as bonus episodes because that shit was hilarious. So he works as a strip club DJ and considers himself a smooth talker who can work his magic with any woman. Then we have Dewan. He looks like, uh, and I might be reaching, he looks like somebody famous. The closest I could get was like a lighter skinned Lance Gross, but like no, nowhere near as good looking. His nickname, it says on the side, is Seduce, spelled S-A-D-U-C-E. I was like, Seduce? Like, it like, took me forever to Versace. try to figure. Like, it's Versace. Um, and the next bullet point about him is, we'll stop at nothing to get a woman into bed. Yikes. Then we meet the one professional named Owen. White dude, shaved head. I thought he looks like he should be in a British spy action movie type of guy. Okay. You're, you're the one who it's watches them. very you know specific. Yeah. I guess, so see. you're saying he reminds you of Jason Tatum. Statham. Statham. Jude, my sake. I'm thinking Channing, Channing Tatum, Tatum and Jason Statham yeah. at the same time. Uh, I guess, but like a guy that looks like a knockoff version. So he's like him. one of the, he's like henchman number four of a group. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who did you say he looks like? Who? Owen. You said he looks like. Oh, God. Paige's rapist on Degrassi. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's who it reminds me of. Yes. And that kid actually reminds me of a young. Oh, that's the other movie. Uh, Major League Two, you watched a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because Jack Park, he reminds me of a young Jack Parkman, the kid, the rapist. Okay. It's the only thing, one one thing worse than a rapist, a child. No. No. 
So Owen the professional has apparently a large collection of Armani suits and his last girlfriend dumped him because he worked late on their anniversary. And this is one of those things where it's like, listen, I'm going to need more context. Yeah. Because if he runs his own business, like some of that is the territory that comes with being involved with a small business owner. You know, like you're not going to get birthdays, holidays, weekends, all that shit. But at the same time, it's like, you know, she could have made a plan. He could have known and been like, fuck your plan. I'm going to do whatever anyway. I just I need the full am I the asshole breakdown, (laughs) you know. Then we meet the two pushovers. This part really just truly tickled me. Right. Because this pushover, again, I'm waiting for them to explain more about what makes these guys so terrible. And they're not doing a very good job. So first we meet Tiante, who's a bald black gentleman. He supported his last girlfriend. That one made me laugh my ass off, right? Because I'm like, I'm I'm assuming they mean financially supported, which again, I'm going to need to know more context. Maybe she was going through it. Just because a woman needs a little bit of support doesn't make her a gold digger. But also supported, like, I immediately thought, like, he was, like, encouraging of her dreams and goals. And that's How dare you support her? How dare you? Pay for all your own shit. And, like, so these are the two bullet points, right? So it says, supported his last girlfriend. I think if they wanted to make their point, if they meant financially supported, I think they would have said that. But they just say supported his last girlfriend. And eager to settle down and have a family. He's a piece of shit. What can you say? Unclear on what makes that so terrible. (laughs) The next pushover we meet is Brandon. He's a white dude. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Taylor made from the next season of I Love New York. And but like a pop punk band version of that kind of guy. He looks a little bit like the lead singer of newfound glory maybe i could be blanking out it's a lot it's a long time since i've had to think about most of these people yeah you're losing me on that one i have no idea what their singer looks like i'm gonna have to go back i could be totally wrong but it just popped into my head now where i thought that i recognized him kind of from his two bullet points are that his mother still makes him do the dishes and mow the lawn which Listen, I'm in no position. We're in no position to judge nope. in that regard. No one should judge And that kind still of shit. spends a lot of time with his grandmother. Which there's nothing wrong with Again, that. Again, unclear on what makes that so terrible. <laughs> These are all nice things. I mean, uh, uh, although I do kind of laugh thinking about uh, heat. So with Yaya. Yeah. Yaya well, that, yes. Well, that's different. He was more of a player that was just obsessed with his mom and grandma. Yep. Then we meet the parolee who did eight years in federal prison. Again, something I tried to look up and couldn't really find anything. His name is Sun Ra, a.k.a. Seashell. Monique tells us again that he did eight years in federal prison. He's a light-skinned dude with these beaded cornrows and a tan suit, an ill-fitting tan suit. The two bullet points for him is that he is a foreplay specialist, or at least that's how he considers himself, and has never had sex with the same woman more than twice. Whew. Yikes. Then we get our attention called to the urban renaissance man. You know, decent enough looking dude, cornrows, beard, 
we get on the Chiron that he's an award-winning film director who enjoys working with children and open to discussion and compromise in his relationships. They do not do enough work to make it clear about what makes this guy different than the two pushovers. Not at all. That was very... That's how they all were. It's like the way... Obviously, like, the parolee and the players are pretty obvious. But outside of that, it's like, these are just kind of nice dudes. Like, any single one of them could have been the Renaissance And even, like, Joey, the one... I mean, we only see a little bit of how he behaves. The I guess weird that weird dancing would, guy. Yeah, like, and the one who needs all the tea from every fight just happens to be in like around for every single like discussion debate that goes down. But I don't know. Like the other guys all seem to find like I. It would have been really hard to tell. I feel like so. Safari is pissed because. All the ladies look great, and all the dudes look like fucking bums. And she straight up says that she feels bamboozled. And no, granted, I have to say that none of, I didn't find a single one of them attractive. I'm not surprised. Are That's you not, not surprised? Yeah, none of them are your type. That's not true. I guess the closest would be Owen, but he looks a little too creepy for me. He's the only one. Yeah. Looking He's the, the closest. Them, no. Yeah. But you, you need a bearded... And because you know what's funny? I realize Sun Ra looks a little bit like that hot convict guy that went viral a couple years ago. I know. I know the, who you're talking skin, about. Because he's light skin he like with like all, really though. light eyes. I mean, no, but that's what I was saying was like the similarities. Like it's that same kind of vibe, except like different build and not as good looking. So Monique says it's time to get the party started and time for the first dance. So she heads back to her office to watch with the other deans and Tariq. So Becky, because she is all about the game, is on a mission to find the urban renaissance man. But then again, the first scene we see is her talking to Seashells, the parolee, and he's already pulling creepy lines on her. He was such a fucking creep, that yeah. guy. He, well, he went over the top on doing what he needed to do. Like, if I were to, to find out that he was paroled for sexual assault type things, wouldn't be shocked. But what if they wanted allegedly, to say, allegedly, just be allegedly. like the biggest, like asshole i don't feel like that was acting i've seen enough guys like that in my life that i don't feel like that was act i mean like i do think that they kind of told the guys yeah go over the top we need you to be this type of guy very stereotype what we're giving let's say that it it went beyond just being like trying to seduce somebody and verged into creep territory like if that's your idea of trying to be seductive like you have a very scary idea of yes. what's sexy so Leilene has fucking spotted her mark almost immediately so she's like on owen right away and she's like every time i noticed it was like a pavlovian response that anytime somebody said man or men around her she like would flip her hair to the side and just be like ah like it was just a very she knows how to mess with men's emotions i wouldn't i mean that's a little harsh but i, I mean it more it's like how do I put this? It seems like because she's always going back. She even says it herself. She's like, oh, like, I've been a stripper since I was 17. Like, I know how to read a room but, and do this. Like, well, I was going to get to that at this next. Stuff. But the thing she is, she knows what will get a guy's attention. So no, that part and I will agree really, with. And she's really, really good looking. So That's it's the kinda... part I'll agree with. So so she says that she, uh, as Mike mentioned, she says that she uh, has been stripping since she was 17. Again, not sure about the legality of that, but we're just... I don't know where to start on how to get to the bottom of that. I also realized that it's she's literally been stripping for half of her life. Yeah. 
Like that is she's 30 turning 31 at this point. That is almost half of her life. That's wild. I mean, no shade. Again, Never. we're sex work positive. Hell yeah. Podcast. Make that money. I'm just like, how were you doing this for so long? And you're still so bad at. Well, we'll get into why she's bad at like because she's like, I've been stripping since I was 17. I know how to read people like this is my forte. This is what I do for a living. And it's like, sis, you're still bad at it. See, the like my thing with this is it seems more so where she's like, oh, like I'm going to go on a date or blah, blah, blah. And yes. have fun as opposed to like. You're in a challenge. You need to find people. That's what seemed to go over at least Laylene and Brooks' heads. Yeah. Is that the whole point of this is not to make a love connection. And a little bit Shay's too. It's it's not to make a love connection. You're here to get to the bottom of who you exactly. think is the urban renaissance. Man. That's where Becky clearly, well, in my opinion, Becky was the best. Well, because Becky is she went like, to serious, every guy. She, yeah. she asked all different questions. Right. So Owen tells Laylene that he's from California originally, and he owns his own company. And they literally play like a cha-ching noise. And you know what I think it is? I meant to say this a little while ago, but Laylene is okay. So I take back what I said about her not being able to read people she can read people she just did the wrong kind of people reading like Mm. she went back into her instincts of like this guy is good looking this guy clearly has money let me flirt with him right she's just straight up interested in him but it's like bitch you got to put that in the back burner if you're trying right if you're trying to win that's not what we're doing here no so she's like oh do you date on california and you know he's like oh if i like a girl you know i'll be with her and if it's casual you know i'm I'm open to dating other people it's all about gut instincts and she's like fully you know working for her tips in this moment she's mm-hmm. got her hair fully brushed over to the side and she's like uh uh-huh. well no i'm trying to make her i make her laugh sound sexier than it is my mistake she's got like a bad stripper laugh like, I feel like a stripper should have, like, a sexy laugh. Like, and her laugh is very aggressive. <laughs> it's like what, it, to Family Guy, there's an episode where Peter's, ho- like, it's like, oh, it's like hooking up with a chick with a weird laugh. And she's like, ah, da 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 they're talking to whatever. And then he kisses, like, her on the neck in a spot. And she's like, oh. It's kind of like that. But like, I, uh, like, a strip, like, I have a work laugh. Every, I've noticed. Yes. I have a work laugh that I call my well, Ariana don't give away Grande. Your stuff. I don't care. Hopefully nobody from my job is listening. There's absolutely there's actually that, an episode of Friends about this. Oh. It's it's yes, because Chandler's work laugh is fucking horrible. My work laugh is Ariana Grande on Victorious slash Salmon Cat. <laughs> I really like that's how I laugh, I noticed at work. It's just so weird. <laughs> that is a little weird. But like I feel like that's the kind of she need, she doesn't have a good work laugh. Like, or if this is I mean, I guess I don't know, because she's kind of in work mode, but maybe so she's in So what is your impression mode. of her laugh here? I can't do it, because I can't picture it now. But I know that Doesn't I remember- Doesn't she just laugh loud? She laughs loud, and she, like, leans back <laughs> too much. In, like, she laughs way too hard for work. She's way too over-enthusiastic. Yeah, she's doing a lot. Which, again, like, how good it- That's just proof that men are so blinded by, like, a hot woman and, like, a nice set of boobs. And, yep. like, pretty hair. That, like- Yep. The fact that she has a dull as shit personality and all of that and a bad laugh makes no difference. So the deans are all laughing, nope. you know, because 
she's clearly smitten and Monique's like, oh, he's got her wrapped around his finger. So they cut back to her and she's like laughing and tossing her hair around. And she's like, oh, I love shopping. And, you know, he's like, I don't know, I guess he said it first. He says it first. And she's like, oh, my God, I love shopping, too. And she's like, oh, because this is how low the fucking as low as the bar is in 2020. The bar was significantly lower in 2007 because she's like, oh, it's refreshing to find a guy who likes to go shopping. Yeah. It's it shouldn't be. No. Like, well, you need it depends. clothes to live. There's a difference between going shopping and like going shopping. There's like, hey, we need to like go shopping quick or hey, I kind of need a shirt or this or that. Like, then there's like. like Going shopping where it's like, yo, I'm going to go out for eight hours and spend four in two different stores. But like, you don't like going shopping for yourself. Like, you don't like If I need stuff, yes. It's Everyone likes buying. It gives you a quick sense of like. right. It's adrenaline, endorphins, all that stuff. It gets rid of this depression for a few minutes. It's it's fragile mass. Like, the idea that a man would like hate shopping for himself is like a little fragile. It's more so where if like we were together and you're like. Hey, I just need to get something from this store. It's like, all right, cool. And then we end up there for two and a half hours. And it's like, yo. Nobody likes being dragged around while somebody else goes shopping. That shit sucks objectively, regardless of gender or whatever. But if we go to the same store and it's like, yo, you go over there. I'm going over here. Right. 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 I got nothing wrong with that. It's fun to buy some stuff. But he's talking about shopping for himself, I assume. Mm. Not being dragged around while somebody else shops. Although some dudes are into that, too. I don't know. So... Laylene is like, oh, my God, I'm so, like, impressed because I noticed, like, across the room, like, you've got your pinstripe, like, navy blue suit. And I'm thinking myself, like, this is what people wore in the 2000s. It's not that groundbreaking. She's like, this is definitely the urban renaissance, man. And then they tell each other that they're beautiful. Mm. So whack. So we cut back to the party a little bit. What are you humming? What is that song? That's what makes you, you beautiful. Yes, so we were talking about One da, Direction da, da. earlier. We what? Woo. Not that weird. We might have to listen to them later. Okay. So we go back to the party and Joey the player is pouring his flask into the punch in a very staged sequence. That was funny. And a bunch of them are all dancing together. So Becky is, you know, working the room. So she's talking to Tiante, the pushover, and she's like, oh, what kind of woman do you normally date? And he's like, oh, that's the problem. Like, I'm really trying to figure it out right now. Like, that's really what I'm looking for. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm looking to wind down and I'm getting too old to not have a family and I'm tired of going to bed alone. And granted, like, yes, is that a line dudes use and then dump you? Absolutely. But like... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess it's coming on a little bit strong when you first meet somebody. That would be my only thing. Like, I'm still, again, unclear on what makes the pushover so terrible that he could not potentially be an urban renaissance man, with the exception of maybe not being as aggressive and which, you know, isn't necessarily everybody's thing or potentially not having good business savvy. Like, those are the only downsides to me. Like, somebody that's not motivated to achieve a goal. But he was the only one I was able to find on Google. And he runs a small production company or something. He's, like, an editor. I don't know. He does something media adjacent, I think. He seemed to be doing fine. You know, not rich, but, you know, fine enough. Living a life. So Becky's like, oh, my strategy is to talk to every single guy. So we get some more clips of her talking to Sunra, the parolee. And he's like, oh, women need affection. And most most men don't know how to do it like this. And then he's like kissing her on the cheek. And Becky's like, "Ah, ah." and 
and Monique is like upstairs. She's like, I love when we get non-scripted Monique, like the the authentic Monique in sequences like these, where she's like, get away from him, sugar. He can't read. <laughs> so then we have Becky and Dewan, uh, the player. He kisses her hand and he's like, oh, I'm masseuse. And then we have a talking head of Becky going next. And then outside, she's talking to Joey, the player, and Brandon, the pushover. And he's like, she's like, oh, like, what do you enjoy? What do you guys do for fun? And he's like, oh, I really enjoy dancing. And she's in a talking head like, he needs to go back to his mama. And I'm like, again, not the worst thing. Like, he likes to dance. Big fucking deal. Who knows? We don't know. You can dance if you want to. Tango liked to dance. Well, he was bad at it. Never mind. I take that he back. Was terrible his mom at dancing. who liked to dance. Yes. That was the thing. So then we get more awkward dancing sequences leading to Brooke grinding with Tiante the pushover. Brooke says in a talking head, she's like, listen, I'm just trying to let loose and make the most of this, like, make the most of this challenge, you know? And she's like, and I'm like, okay. So she's being kind of self-aware about the fact that she's acting like a, yes. like a mess. But then she goes, I think I'm going to do well because I'm not shy and I'm really good at spotting players. And it's like, sis, that's not, it's not really what this whole thing is about. Like, it's about more than that. So, yeah. So, Brooke then is like grinding on him still and she fully white girl wasted screams out, this would be so much more fun if we were naked. And Monique is upstairs concerned. (laughs) And she's just like, wow. And Too get, much nakedness in one room. Clearly. We get our first iconic line of the week. Just because the term in this is iconic and I just love it so much. It is. The prom has just started. Like just started. And Brooke was being slutatious. I love slutatious. I want that on a shirt. That probably was on a shirt at some point. This was like that probably era still of is. graphic tees. Yeah. Well, no, like this the graphics, era of graphic yeah. tees. Porn star. Right. FCUK. Remember that was like mm. scandalous. Pscu. And then the juicy, st- all the juicy double entendres. Yeah. It just, it's exhausting. Right on a butt. Well, no, on the shirts too and stuff. It was weird. It's a very weird time. And we all, people wore this to school, like to mm-hmm. high school. I don't know. As long as you weren't wearing spaghetti straps. Yeah. Yeah. Or shorts that were too short. I'm all leg, all short. Like, unless I was wearing Bermuda shorts, they were all very short looking on me. It's... You have to be wearing jorts. Discrimination. Then we get... Was it fingertip? The two fingertips is the strap with. Oh. But it's hot as fuck in schools. And we went to, like, middle class, like, upper middle class... No air conditioning, though. Schools. And we still... It was hot as balls in our school. They had those old school big fans that are like... I can't help how I'm fucking built. Like, I'm sorry that I've got tits and long legs. Like, I can't... I can't help the way I'm built. I was 16. Like, you know what I mean? And all the clothes are tiny. I can't help that this is all that was available to me. Style-wise. And that the way my body is shaped. But then all the boys, they could come in sleeveless shirts with the fucking arms cut down all the way to the bottom. I don't want to call it a wife beater. What uh, the guinea? No. That's, also, that's a, also racist. Yep, white tank top. Just a, white, a white tank. That's what the undershirt. The t-shirt, like right. Well, the there's tank. a difference between a tank top and what I would consider. I did an love back in the day, the the ones that Fifty Cent wore. They that's were like I a mean. very different. No, but that yeah, was a no. Like there was a very different cut. Yeah. yeah, 
they like wrapped on the peck as opposed to going like that is like a men's fashion thing that needs to come back a lot of 2000s men's fashion was awful that is something that needs to come back just saying we get more sequences of brooke she's introducing herself to dewan the player who again says that he's a massage therapist and he's like yeah i pretty much take care of backs and you know thighs and toes and blah 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 and brooke like because then monique and the other deans and Tariq are all saying they're like what the fuck well the guys are both we don't hear from keith or Tariq at all we just hear from Mickey and Monique, who are like outspokenly horrified. A lot of it by is just yeah, this. it's just Monique's reactions to what she's saying. Right, real so quick. they're just like, "What the fuck, Brooke?" And then, because Brooke totally misunderstood the assignment, despite being explicitly told, like that's I think the part that is the most annoying to me. It's not that she went around trying to hook up with all the different guys; it's that she explicitly, no pun intended, asked. Should we figure out who is who by trying to fuck them? Was told no. And somehow just was like, so yes. Like no means no. So we can build the bunk beds. Right. (laughs) So Brooke, not to be outdone, is like, well, what about the vagina area? Like, this dude was trying to be smooth and do double entendre, and she's like, listen, I'm here to cut to the chase. And Monique is in his talking head like, what are you doing? Like, you're here looking for the man who's supposed to be good to you and good for you, which in fairness, he could be. We don't know. Hmm. Just not in the way Monique intended. So he, then we get a sequence of him, like, suggestively licking a strawberry, and Monique is, like, deeply disturbed, as was I. And Brooke... Again, turns to him and goes, so, which I guess was her, like, litmus test question to go around to all guys. And I don't know. Well, so side note, which we don't really need any more of any more asides, but quickly, let's say you were to be single again Mm -hmm. and you were to go like to a speed dating thing and you had to ask, like, you decided you wanted to lead with one question for all of the ladies you were encountering how old are you <laughs> fair <laughs> <laughs> i think let's say like you knew her age and it was verified and it was all legit right or like you're on a social dating whatever because we started for those who don't know we started the two of us started dating each other before like tinder and bumble and all that so because things. i'm 31 let's hypothetically like let's say, say all the like, other oh, women ever- are in their 30s yeah. like everybody is age appropriate everyone is like 28 to 32 Okay. I know we could stretch further, but no, it would be. But okay, so what would be one question that you would ask them? I mean, there's always the basics. That's what do you do? No, just one question. One question that you really, because I have one question that I would lead with. No, I know what you're gonna ask. What? What am I gonna ask? Who did you vote for? Oh, yes, that is technically my first question. So I have two questions. So okay, so I knew what you were gonna ask. I didn't even think about that. Well, I mean, I. I was going to say I would only ask the white ones, but that's not really true. I'd ask all of them. No, because that's something. It's, well, you also say it's speed dating, so you're limited on the amount of time right. you could talk so to. Right. So my first question would be, who did you vote for? Would you ask that? Eventually. It would probably pop Boo. up. I would ask other things to lead into it. Right. Like, do black lives matter to you? Uh, the first uh, would probably be... I mean, I feel like you need, just to start off, you just go like, who's your favorite? And you insert something. You could be like, what's your favorite movie of all time? Who's your favorite? artist or band 
figure right away is there something you can relate to right off the bat see this is why i'm going to if i if i die before you i'm going to have to be like what's that reese witherspoon movie where she's the ghost like With, i have no it's not her isn't it reese witherspoon no, no reese witherspoon evil is Angoria. dating evil Angoria is the ghost who's trying to get her ex-boyfriend husband oh there's more there's more than one movie Where's the one where There's they tr- one with Eva Longoria who is dating Mark Ruffalo. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. And then she dies and then he starts falling for, I believe, Lake Bell is the actress's really? name. Really? That one? And she keeps showing... At first, she's kind of jealous or whatever, and then she shows up later. She's yeah, like, see, that would you. be me. Like, I'd haunt the shit out of you, but be like, you could do better. Anyway, all of this to say is well, my... what the fuck should I ask first if you're going to shit so my much? My question is, what is your relationship like with your parents? Okay. It's important. That would be your opening question. That would be my, my, no, my opening question would be, who did you vote for in 2016? (laughs) My follow-up question would be, what is your relationship like with your parents? One, I need to know you, a person feels comfortable answering these kinds of deep, honest questions. Yeah. And honest, like, I need to know. I feel like that should come up at a different No, I need to know right away because I need to know, because the thing is, it's not necessarily about... because for me, it's not necessarily about good, bad relationship. It's about the way in which you talk about it. Okay. Because if you are like, if you're a dude who's like, I fucking hate my mom and what, what like Eminem, big Eminem energy, <laughs> big Eminem energy, you don't have time me for in it. Seventh grade. I know, but six, seven, but then and again, eighth. it's a, there's a huge difference between being a teenager who's mad at your mom and an adult man who's yeah. still caring Imagine around you're that 30 kind of right anger. Because yeah. if you're like, listen, I don't really have a relationship with them. Some stuff happened. I'm not saying you need to divulge it. Just be. I just need to hear the way in which you talk about it yeah. and who, which parent you align yourself with. You know what I mean? There's dynamics there. It's all about the subtext in how you're talking. Okay. I don't know. These are things dating in your 30s, I guess. Things that I'm learning now that it's too late. <laughs> oh, too late. Yeah, thanks. Don't try to do no, it again. It That's like the point of this. Sounds like you're dissing me. No, the, the point of this is that I want to not have to date again. It, yes. Very Duh. true. Right? Like, <laughs> the main, that's the whole the reason for it all. So The reason that we're here. So anyway, so Brooke asked, do you like to fuck or make love to all of the guys? That was why I brought that whole aside up was this is her question that she's asking all of the men. Dewan is like thrown by this, but like very into it and they walk off. So that's a commercial break. And they do that thing where they do a little bit of content, a little bit more context and then lead up to that scene again, which is like very annoying. And I'm glad they don't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad they just pick up where they left off in the scene now in most reality shows so back at the party becky is dancing with joey the player and they're doing like the chicken noodle soup dance and doing some other goofy moves like he was like oh the sandbag and she's like oh you're gonna protect my house from a flood it was a very that was dynamic because she knew that wasn't who she's oh well because she was taller than him she's just playing with it and well i think she also like she's there to have fun also but she just did it in a more responsible way than brooke did that was funny I know. It was a cute dynamic. They had very similar personalities, but I didn't ship it for a variety of Mm. reasons. So Brooke, I didn't notice this until the second watch through. Brooke is on the dance floor behind Becky and Joey. And she is like fully like white girl wasted in the background. Good Lord. 
just a mess. She was drunk, like as fuck. That dark liquor will get you. That's what Monique said. So we are unfortunately forced to watch the suggestive strawberry licking again and the do you like to fuck or make love convo. Monique's like, I'm watching the monitor and I am so embarrassed for Brooke. I'm just like deeply embarrassed by her behavior. So Brooke and Dewan go into the kitchen and they're like sort of making out. He's like kissing her chest and then but like he's sitting in a chair and she's standing. It's like very high school. Like he's sitting and she's standing and then we get like cctv footage of them kissing it just was very unnecessary but then she like leaves him so i'm like i don't really know it's all weird so brooks like i figured dewan was a player but honestly i didn't really care because he's the best looking guy there which i was like her personal taste agree to disagree so monique is obviously fully repulsed by all of this and she goes now that girl right there is just slutty Slut gets thrown around a lot. A lot. In this episode. You know. It's a term. I feel like it's a term. It's a bad you can, word. All right, chill. It's a bad term. I mean, it's not nice to say to somebody, but it's also could be something we, as women, should try to reclaim. And also apply to men. Sluts. Yes. So then we get a quick scene of Shay and Sun Ra, the parolee, and... He's like, oh, where are you from? And she's like, oh, I live in Atlanta now. And he's complimenting her dimples. And he's like, oh, you're so gorgeous. Whatever. And she's like, oh, the guy with the seashells on his braids. Like, he thought he was spitting mad game to me. But no, I knew you were a player from the beginning. And you are so not my type. Your laugh is whack and you look kind of cute. But, you know, whatever. I don't want you. (laughs) 180 complete real quick well just like she she's smart enough to know better i mean granted her dating life is still a mess currently i mean she's on love and hip-hop whatever one of the cities i think she's on two of the city we like you would think the amount of times we talked about this that we would have it down we don't no but she's still out here dating involved with rappers and stuff i mean listen no shade i guess her type is just successful or yeah. trying to be. And they like her. Yeah, I mean, she's still stunning. So good for her. She still looks good, so, you know. Do you, boo. Keep it up, Shay. So, Leilene and Owen, we get a quick scene of them. They've moved outside now to talk one-on-one. And he's like, oh, do you like movies? And she's like, oh, yeah, I love movies. You know, I love, oh, I love Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> Which we just talked about. In the context of you saying you want... Oh, because... No, before What were we watching? No, I know. Exactly. Oh, the mom in Mulan is the Chinese food lady in... That's what it was. In uh, Dude, Where's My Car? Yes. That's like her other big credit. (laughs) She's also like, oh, I also love like Revenge of the Nerds. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. And she's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I like that one or whatever. And she's like, no way. Like, it's just such a like I rolled my eyes so hard because it's just such a stereotypical like guys gal. Like, I'm going to say movies that guys like because I'm not like the other girls. You know, I don't like rom-coms. I like Dude, Where's My Car and Revenge of the Nerds, which like Dude, Where's My Car, cringy in its own way. Revenge of the Nerds has now just been like sequestered to that section of 80s movies we don't want to talk about anymore because there's that's a literally fucked up shit. There's a rape there's scene. There's a rape scene, yeah. Like that played makes her, for like, laughs. Play for the guy. Yeah, play like, for laughs. 
laughs. Like, what the fuck? So Laylene does a talking head and she's like, I'm having the time of my life. This is the man of my dreams. And then they start playing rock, paper, scissors. Becky and Safari are also sitting outside and Safari's like, he ain't that bomb. Like, whatever. And Becky's pissed because Becky wanted a chance to talk to every guy. And she's like, I don't have a fucking chance to talk to him because she's been like holding him up the whole night. Plus, he looks like a damn serial killer in the movies. So I guess you and Becky are on the same page about him looking creepy as fuck. I don't remember saying he looks like a serial killer. You said that well, he I said he looks like, like a somebody rapist. Who, you like, said he looks like a rapist. No, he looks so. not like a rapist. He looks like an actor that played a rapist, a rapist in a TV show. Yeah. That like, doesn't well, mean I think like he looks like a serial killer ra- in the movies, so. I guess. Yeah, I guess it kind of works. We go back inside to see Brooke talking to the urban renaissance man, Mark, and asks, like, oh, do you like to fuck or do you like to make love? And he's, like, kind of thinking about it while Mickey and Monique are, like, viscerally reacting upstairs. So Brooke's like, oh, do you have time for a relationship? And he's like, oh, if if it's right, then, you know, you got to compensate and sacrifice and make it work. And Brooke is, like, straight up rolling her eyes looking bored as fuck. And she's like, I need to hang out with someone else because he's boring as fuck. So then Sunra, the creepy-ass parolee, strolls up and says to Mark, not to Brooke, Oh, can I cut in and like, you know, steal her away from you for a second? Which, I mean, I know that that's a typical thing on like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I'm sure. Mm, but like, I like this. It's something about Sunra's energy that makes it like clearly it was like a power move, like a dominance thing. Mm. Not a matter of like, oh, I really want to get to know this girl or whatever. Or he thinks he has a chance of hooking up with her. Especially because she's so drunk, which mm. is in and of itself creepy as fuck. So Mark's like, oh, yeah, you know, do your thing. It's it's her call. It's if she wants to go, whatever. And Brooke is like kind of backing away and like looking at him skeptically, which I assume is like her gears turning and being like, I wonder if he's one of the good ones, Yes. which out of context sounds really fucked up. But she's like kind of squinting at him and she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go with him. And the the deans are upstairs like, what the fuck? Like. Bitch, you are so... So Sun Ra, then they're hanging out by the door to go outside. And Sun Ra's like, yo, can I carry you upstairs? And she's like, no. And he makes this big show of being disappointed, which dude's listening. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you don't necessarily need this explained this to you. But a lot more dudes need to know that that whole act of being like disappointed in a woman saying no to you is creepy as fuck please stop doing it uh it taps into a very weird sense of women feeling obligated and they don't like to be rude to people and if the woman says no whether you agree with her decision or not you need to go along with it i feel like i shouldn't have to be explaining that to anybody in 2020 but here we are So he makes this big show of being disappointed and she's like, don't get me wrong. I like to fuck. I just want to get to know you like a little bit first. So what's the point of any of this? You know what I mean? Like then we get a scene of them in another part of the room, more like near the dance floor. And they're at a table and she's like walking by Sun Ra and He's like, she's like, oh, are you hard? And then he says something really quick. And then he gives her shit about being a tease, which, again, 
Well, he Stop. says maybe it needs some brook or something like that. That's what I thought. Well, that's what the caption said, but I couldn't tell. Like, it was just kind of muddled yeah. in the middle of everything else he was saying. And he then gives her all this shit about being a tease, which, again, also creepy, terrible. Like, I hate negging, which is, again, part of the whole game hmm. thing. Just be direct. And if a woman doesn't appreciate you being direct, then you're not meant to work out. I mean, don't be direct and be a dick, but like be, you know, follow conventional politeness. But like, you know, like you, we don't need to be manipulated. If you need to manipulate us into getting what you want from us, then it's not, is it really worth it? Really? Like, are you really even enjoying the sex then? Can you tell that the Vyvanse is hit, by the way? I, was, I know love that I'm saying that an hour and a half in as if we haven't just been... I haven't been going off the rails this entire fucking time. Oh, you only time. took it at two? I thought you took it before that. No, I said oh, it was an hour and a this. half. Gotcha. Started the show an hour and a half ago. Yeah. So, yes. So, in response to being called a tease, Brooke gets very defensive, and she's like, "I don't. I'm not a tease. I actually love to please." And he's like, "So, do you want to go out to the jacuzzi?" Oh, he's like, "Oh, there's a jacuzzi out there." And she's like, yup, sure is. And he's like, I want to take you out there. And she's like, yeah, I bet you do. So you can hit it from the back just like that. And it's like. Well, she threw in some. Relax. Other, yeah, terms well, she, and curses she, No, there. she. No, that was it. No, they blank it out. They bleep, well, they bleep two things. They bleep it out. because so what she else? says what? F from the. Um, fuck. Unless she's saying fuck me. F- f- well, she says it. So I'm assuming I filled in the blanks here because we can't find an unedited version yeah. that it's hit it from the back or hit it from Something behind. Something like that. Yeah. I this is when I fell in love platonically with Joey the player because he is in the middle uh, like I said before of everything that's going on so he is sitting there and he is literally eyebrows raised sipping his drink like like it is tea and he is his eyebrows are fully raised and he is here for all of this mess so as they're doing this whole like blah 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 you can hit it from the back you so so you can hit it from the back, not you can. Monique and Mickey are like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, is this a lesson that we miss? Like, they're laughing their asses off at this point because it I mean, what else funny. can yeah. you do? Senrod is that annoying, like, can I ask you a question thing that Flav did all the time? Mm. And he's like, oh, yo, can I ask you a question? Like, which is, it's a weird dismissive microaggression because it's one of those things like you're just talking to me like I'm just beep, 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 beep. I mean, I'm not saying that you do this, but like I hate when men, even in non-flirting contexts, like, I don't know. It's just something about that moment of like, could I ask you a question? Like, like you're talking so much and he needs to just try to get a word in edgewise. Sorry again, I'm overthinking all of this. So he's like, oh, can I put Malibu in that and points over? And apparently there's a fucking ice luge, a pineapple shaped ice luge, which looks awesome. I thought it was just a sculpture and he was going to try to pour it down the side, but apparently there no. is an actual, like, luge inside it. Yeah, it was yeah. It's set up as an ice luge. Yeah. yeah. I, I had to actually go back, erase what I wrote, and then write, oh, I wow, it is actually an ice luge. I haven't experienced an ice luge in a while. I mean, not like we're going to get it to experience no, one anytime too, yeah. soon. We can try to make one. Try to make one? Yeah. No. Throw a thing in the freezer that's a tube. You know what? We've got the time. Fuck it. Pull it up on YouTube. We'll make a so tiny there's one. There's definitely a way we can do it. But you have to do a big one because then it gives more time to chill, right? That's the point. 
That's why they're so big. It gets cold. That's what she said. Oh, please. Um, but yes, that's why it's much colder when it finally gets down to you. Yeah. So maybe we can't make one. Who knows? So she's obviously all in because she's here to have a good time. She's here for a good time, not a long time. Yes. Not necessarily in life. I mean, just on the show. So she gets down at the shop part and he's pouring in. I mean, basically, he said Malibu, which kind of. So then he starts pouring Malibu in. Malibu ain't that dark. Well, so <laughs> I first thought, is it a rum and coke? Oh, maybe. But then when Monique started talking about the dark liquor, which, again, she could have also been mistaken. But then again, he doesn't look like the kind of guy who drinks rum and Cokes. Yeah. He looks like the kind of guy. Looks like it would be whiskey. You know, yeah. Or what is Hennessy? That feels racist of me to assume that he's drinking Hennessy. But like. I'm not going to answer this. What kind of what kind of liquor is Hennessy? No, Do you I'm know? not sure. Sorry. Just turn in my black card. It's cognac. Oh, OK. So he's pouring whatever is in there, which has ice in the glass. So that looks painful to try to do as a shot. But she's like, oh, I can swallow, but not that much. And he's like, oh, I'm going to give it to you nice and slow. I don't want you to swallow it all at one time. And everybody is looking around the room like, what the fuck? Like, what is wrong with her? Which I feel like as a competitor, I would be kind of celebrated. I mean, my as a woman, I would be like, let's keep an eye on this to make sure this doesn't get rapey. But then as a competitor, I'm like, let her fucking eliminate her damn self. Yeah. Nothing I could do would be worse than this for the most part. So then he starts to get, I noticed, a little bit more pushy, like, as he's pouring. And he's like, I want you to swallow it, Brooke. Swallow it. Swallow it. Then it's, yeah, just purposefully like embarrassing her and then becky is like in her talking head if it looks like a hoe if it smells like a hoe if it tastes like a hoe it's probably a hoe <laughs> so sunrise continuing to make more loud as fuck innuendo comments about sucking and swallowing and monique straight up like turns away from the camera and she's like or from the screen rather and she's like i cannot stomach any more of this and I love, like I said, I love when Monique does the question in the middle of her sentence, like an upward inflection. Like when you drink, especially that dark liquor, it just magnifies who you really are, which true. It's true. So we go back to Brooke taking more shots and Sun Ra being more and more suggestive. He's calling himself daddy. I just and I don't want to kink shame if daddy is your thing. I just creeps me out and he creeps me out and just the whole situation is really unsettling because you could tell she was already drunk prior to that and now she's doing ice lose shots like the fact that she was even a functional human being the next day is incredible so brooke says she's not opposed to hooking up although uh hulu captions said hugging like i'm not opposed to hugging at prom and i think he was hot i hope he was hot was he hot? Sweetie, he wasn't. She might not actually remember. I don't. Funny. I can't imagine that she does. Because if you're mixing liquors like that, oof. It can't be good. Bad news. So then we get back to general party footage. But who is sitting over to the side? Urban Renaissance man Mark. It's so sad. I, it was so I'm sad watched, watching him sit to the it's side. It's bullshit, though. Because like, the shit they show you, he is 100% more of a pushover, it seems. Than the Renaissance. I think man. the only difference is that he had like a solid job. That's like it. 
that's I think the only thing that made him any different and the thing is about the sensitive guys because the whole thing about the sexual prowess and the jobs and stuff like if a guy is actually a nice guy he's not really gonna be bragging about any of that stuff regardless so you have it would be harder to discern from one conversation if he was an urban renaissance man potentially which again is like super subject what's the word suggestive subjective subjective there you go there we go it's so much more subjective and it's like whose decision was it that he was the urban renaissance man and some of the other ones like what did the other guys do for work they might have good jobs but they might have been designated pushovers for whatever reason you know i don't i don't know so then brooke is grinding on sunra and monique and her talking head is like brooke is drinking that dark liquor she's fearless you know She's doing whatever the liquor tells her to do. Tiante then comes and grinds from the front, which is like when a girl is drunk, that is like the creep meter is off the fucking charts right now. Like, eh, 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 high alert. Creepy as fuck. So Monique is going on in her talking head and she's like, I can't believe she's still standing. But then again, she's not even really standing. She's sandwiched in between two men. So Brooke then is standing with Sun Ra and Safari and Brandon the pushover. And Brooke is like fully slurring at this point. She's like, look how big her titties are. Like, and my, look how small my titties are. Like, whatever. Going on about Safari's titties. And she's like, whatever. And Safari's like kind of humoring her. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're, but they're good. Like, I don't know. They're going back and forth and being nice to each other. So then. She, I love that I'm touching my own boobs as I'm saying all this. So then... Titties on the mind. Yeah, I guess. So she, Brooke's like, whatever, like a handful is all you need. And Sun Ra's like, yeah, those big ones get stretch marks all on them. And then turns to Safari and he's like, look at yours. See, they got stretch marks on them. Like, I need them nice and smooth. Oh, he actually said that to her? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he actually said those words to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was talking in general. Well, like, he was well, they get okay. This so he da, da, da. so he wasn't fully turned to her, but he was clearly talking about her it's impl- and like yeah. half turned to her, where he's like not trying to be directly confrontational, yeah. but he is clearly making a reference to her. Safari's boobs. Yeah. And Safari, to her credit, starts to walk away. Because she's like, man, like, whatever. And then she kind of turns around and starts talking shit. And Monique is like, please, please don't say anything. Like, just behave yourself right. So at this point, everybody's kind of either sitting around or standing around. I mean, granted, it's only 12 people. So, you know, there's not really too many places for people to go. And Brooke, of course, is like sitting on the arm of a chair and like propping herself up. But like leaning like she's... Mm. Fallen fast. So, Safari is ready to read him to filth. She's like, you're just trying to embarrass everybody because you're mad, because no one likes you, because you're acting like an asshole. And Sunra's like, oh, Miss Weave, are you okay? And Safari's like, I'm very fine, Mr. Seashell. That was, yeah, that was pretty funny. But then again, that was like his AKA, like... I don't know. So Monique is literally covering her face with her hands at this point. And everybody is like pissed that he's trying to come for her. And I feel like the guys are kind of like, dude, that's wild, disrespectful. And ladies are like, listen, that's my friend. Don't be a dick. 
So everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And she turns to a group on the side and is like, hold on. I got this. I got this. It reminds me of that scene in Pose where, who was it? It was, I can't think of her name on the show. Electra. Electra and, oh my God. I, well, this is apparently the show I need to rewatch. <sighs> Angel and the one who's best friend, Candy. No, Candy died. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Fuck. Um, it's whatever. It's been a while. The one, and I can't think of her name, but the other one. The they main? All, no, she's the one that's best friends with Candy. Oh. Uh, the one who's in Electra's house. Yes. I can't think of her name. Mm. We Apparently, this is what I need to be rewatching. So, I take back everything I said. Watch Pose. Anyway, so there's that scene where they all go to the beach that time. Yes. And they go to the country club, and that woman comes up to try to be like, I know what you are. Yeah. And Electra stands up and, like, reads her to filth, but then, like, stops at one point and, like, takes a sip of water and then just keeps, like, reading into yes. her. That's exactly all of that to say. All of that to say. That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> so she's like, I got this. I got this. And she turns to him. She goes, what ocean did you get them seashells out of hanging from those tiny ass braids in the back of your head? And all he can say back is, what ocean? And then she goes, oh, she's like pointing at his receding hairline and goes, oh, it looks like you're going bald a little there. I can make you a lace front, though, if you need it. And everybody's dying laughing. And he's like, oh, you're tore up from the floor up. Your breath stinks, blah, blah, blah. But she can tell that she's already got him like. Exactly. Got him going. So she's like. Look at your fucking suit. It's 17 years old. This color isn't even this year. And look and points out a wrinkle. So at first I thought she was talking about the crease. But if you they do a close up on it. And from the crease around his knee down, there's a clear like line that he clearly did a very shitty ironing job. And the suit doesn't really fit him. It's very bad. I feel like he showed up and they gave him a suit. It's like, here, this is what you're wearing tonight. No, I. Or big suits were just the thing. I feel like it was because that was the era of all baggy everything. Yeah. If you were like into hip hop style, it was all very baggy everything. It also kind of I mean, if he was in jail, prison, he probably has a suit, at least one. Hmm. So she's like dragging him, of course. And I love that we see during this scene as they're arguing joey the player just like walking through the frame sipping his drink like ooh, oh is yeah like tea? Ooh. i'm glad i got hired to do this then Get to have some fun yeah right like he's like i'm here to have i'm here for a good time not a long time then sun ra says back to safari that he's going to put her face in some dough and make gorilla cookies yikes and then ultimately, Tiante and Joey uh, end up breaking the two of them up. And Sun Ra calls her a booger eating snot drinker. What is that? I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty self explanatory. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, that's the best you can do. Like, you were in prison and that's the best you could do in terms of insults? Get the fuck mm. out of here. So Monique's like, listen, at this point, like, this is when I have to cut this shit off. Because once we're getting to threats of violence, you know, yeah. it's it's gone a little too far. And he calls her old. But if I remember correctly, she's not even 30 at this point. I don't think so. She's like just shy of 30. I guess she's like 28, 29. But that More is research. not old. 
So Monique says in a talking head that she that Safari forgot that she's in charm school for a minute, clearly, and she's uh, about to whoop this guy's ass. So she needs to cut it off. So it's time for the results. And the ladies are all lined up on one side of the room and the guys are on the other. And Monique and Tariq are kind of staged between them. And Monique directs them to pin the boutonnieres that they're given on the guy they think is the urban renaissance man. So they kind of hesitate and, you know, well, except for a couple of them. But they hesitate and then they go up to their guys and then Tariq kind of addresses who picked who. So Owen is first and they're like, he's like, who picked Owen? And Laylene's like, it's me. And Tariq's like, okay, so, you know, Owen, good dude here, you know, started his own successful home remodeling business. And while Owen is a successful goal-oriented man, he uses his money to pick up women and constantly downplays their intelligence. And Laylene turns around and she's like, what? Like, in her face is like genuine shock. And it's like, well, that was the thing. I feel like a lot of these people didn't do like their due diligence on acting their part. I mean, we didn't get to see very much of them. Also true. Because he seemed behaving. like the times we see them interacting, it's like he doesn't seem like the professional. Like, I mean, I've seems I mean, like a listen, decent dude. I was there was a period of time where I was dating in New York City. I encountered those types of dudes like the bad ones, like the full on like professional douchebag braggy types of guys like they make themselves very clear he was doing a lot of like asking her questions about herself and listening and if he was really that bad and granted we don't know shit about him i couldn't find him on google there wasn't a lot to go on but i don't know enough about him we're only seeing him in this one instance he didn't really do a lot of the red flag type of things. Like, I could see why she would think, okay, this dude has to be the right one. Yeah. Because he was being nice. So, he identifies Owen as the professional, and Laylene says in a talking head that she was shocked because she had an amazing conversation with this person. Which is, again, not the point of the exercise. So, then there are two boutonnieres pinned on Brandon. So Tariq asks who picked Brandon and Shay and Safari both picked him. Tariq points out that he is a professional dancer. That's right. He was. He's a professional dancer and still lives with his mom. They all laugh. But like, I'm sorry. That is financially smart. And this is a year before the recession. So he's probably got the right idea. He's probably doing all right for himself. You know who probably wasn't doing all right in a year from now? Oh, in the businessman. This home remodeling business. No. People aren't buying the homes. So then he identifies Brandon as the pushover and they move on. So then they get to Tiante and they ask who picked him and Becky and Brooke both picked him. Tariq's like, oh, he's a good dude. You know, suave brother, sophisticated, college educated. He tends to try to get women by playing the sensitive soft brother role. I mean, is he playing? I mean, he came off a little desperate, but it didn't seem especially like an act. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm saying that he seems like great, but he he did. Like I said, he came off a little desperate. And sometimes those kinds of guys are have. He seemed the pushover type. Yeah, certainly. He played it pretty well, I think. But basically, it was just kind of like, can you believe that this guy isn't a dick? And that's their threshold of nice, like pushover guy. Mm. The bar is in hell, as we establish every week. 
So then because all the lady, none of the ladies got it right. He heads over to Mark and says, Mark is a producer, director, writer, and sensitive to women's needs. Bar is in Hades. So then he's identified as the urban renaissance man. And basically, because the point of this challenge was whoever picked the urban renaissance man was going to be safe from elimination, and none of them did, they are all on the chopping block, potentially. You're all in danger. Yeah. So we get to the next morning, and a couple of them are sitting around. It's uh, Laylene, Brooke, and Safari. They're all sitting around in what looks like their closet in the one room, eating. And Laylene says to Brooke, you know, you look like you had a lot of fun last night. And Safari's like, yeah, I'd love to party with her in real life, which is fair. Like, I think (laughs) I would party with 27-year-old Brooke. Like, she looks like... She makes questionable no. choice. I mean, she's well, either leaving early that I'm you worry about bit, the rest of the night right. or she's going to be the one you're closing the bar home. down. Yeah. Right. She's because I can be like the mom friend who's always like, no, we're leaving together. Can I have your phone number? Make a choice. You know, like that kind of person. But not that. I mean, granted, most of my friends are married now or in relationships. But when I was still going out and I had more single friends. But. I feel yeah, that's true. Brooke probably would be a stressful person. Mm-hmm. If I'm not if I'm not responsible for watching her, yes. she seems like a lot of fun. Yes. But Brooke is like, oh, all those guys were so stupid and boring and I just got drunk so I could deal with them. Brooke says in a talking head, like, you know, I'm a little bit nervous since we all got played last night at the prom and none of us chose the urban renaissance man. That's that's why you're worried? She's I literally so said out loud, that's why you're worried? Yeah. Not the whole, like, completely disregarding the lesson that was the basis of the challenge. Like, that's the part. And she points out there are only five of them left, so she's extra worried. Brooke says to the group, I think we're all urban renaissance women. It's like, you're not. Laylene says to the group, well, now that I know about yesterday, I'm not a pushover and I'm not putting up with any crap anymore. Safari laughs at both of both of those statements. And they are oddly uh, foreshadowing, or at least Lady's <laughs> is. That's how a lot of the editing seems to be going. Yeah, they force the storyline a lot more than I think that they need to. Like we could we could have concluded that the episode was gonna go the way it went. Yes. Without them very heavy handedly being like You could end it right now and be like, Alright, I think this is what's going on. And they could have cut out twenty minutes. Right. But it's all just fun, or at least fun focus more on the dance. Like I would have wanted to see more of the the prom. To be honest, came here to meet girls and dance, and we can't meet girls until we dance. What is that from? That thing you do. Oh. Monique calls over the loudspeaker that they have to check the bulletin board because she's left some instructions for them. Ooh. The note says, "Your lesson from yesterday was player be played, and frankly, you all got played. Not only did you fail the test." But I watched your performance at the prom and was shocked by some of your behavior. Mm-hmm. One person. I guess, well, two of them. Later today, you will let me know two things. Who best applied yesterday's lesson and best represented your charm school class and who worst applied the lesson and was the worst representative of your charm school class. The best will be safe from being expelled and the worst will be called to the carpet. A suggestion box is going to be placed in the dining hall and the future is in your hands. So then they have a group meeting. 
And Becky is going around asking each one of them, it seems, why they think that they were the best representative of Charm School. Mm. And the first one we see her ask is Brooke. And Brooke's like, well, the question is who best applied yesterday's lesson? And Becky's like, okay, so why do you think you best applied yesterday's lesson? And Brooke's like, I think I did well because I made sure I went around and talked to every guy. But then they do a flashback sequence of what those discussions consisted of. And it's basically her asking, do you like to fuck or do you like to make love? So. Sums it up pretty simply. Yeah. So Safari yells her, you're over there being a hooker. And says in her talking head that Brooke is an embarrassment to herself, to charm school, to her mama, to her grandmama, and to all mamas across the world because she looks like a hoe. <clears throat> Safari says that she thinks that she's the best because she came here for anger issues and she goes, I came here for anger issues and I did not get angry one time last night. You are wrong. Except for that time that you read that dude for blood. What the fuck? Like, you weren't that drunk. Like, yeah. So Shay points out to Safari, um, well, you you did get into an argument with that one guy. And Safari's like, it doesn't matter. It was fun. It was it was a good time. That's not how that works. Rewind. Ignore. Right. So Shay's like, well, you could have easily just walked away from the fight. And it would have been a non-issue. And Safari's like, and you could have easily not put the picture under the bed. And had put her picture under the bed. Like, or had her put the picture under the bed. Because don't forget that she still thinks that Shay is behind getting Larissa kicked out. Yes. And in trouble for the whole picture thing. Which, as we know, Shay was very much the sidekick to the fuckery that was going on. So she's like, whatever, just you like you failed, in my opinion, yesterday. And that's basically it. And Safari's like, well, I think you failed yesterday, too. We didn't see Shay do anything. Nothing. Like just the one interaction. If she had done anything potentially fail worthy, we would have seen it. And we didn't. So nice try. Very middle of the road. Becky asked Laylene why she thinks that she did the best. And Laylene's like, well, I don't really know. Becky's like, okay, but. I mean, it wasn't good that you only talked to that one guy the whole time. And Laylene's like, I was just enjoying my conversation, okay? Like, what the heck? And she goes, they're not even, she says in a talking head, they're not trying to understand me. I was having an amazing conversation with that person. I was playing rock, paper, scissors with that person. So (laughs) that's deep, okay? She literally says it like that. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I know that I tend to embellish some of these statements. I swear to God, go back and watch it. She goes, that's deep, okay? So they all go their separate ways and Shay and Brooke go to their room and Shay is like, you know, if anybody has any questions or anything else to say about me, you know, I'll be back in my room and Brooke goes with her. So they're barely out of the room and Safari turns to Laylene and goes, look, keep this between us, but Brooke wants your ass out. And Laylene's like, yeah, I know. And Safari's like, look, just keep that in mind, right? And Safari says in a talking head, you know, she's trying to influence how Laylene is voting. And I do believe that that's her intention. Mm-hmm. But Laylene kind of sees this too. You know, and I do think that she was kind of coming from a place of she's concern. She's the one in the middle. I do think that she came from a place of concern, at least a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. So Brooke is sitting with Shay. Oh, wait. So Safari says in a talking head very quickly that, you know, I'm going to... 
I don't know how Laylene's going to vote, but I'm going to put something in her ear to vote the right way, which is against Brooke. So then Brooke is talking to Shay in their room and says that obviously Becky and Safari are going to vote for each other no matter what. And Laylene is on the fence, clearly, between Shay and Becky for who did the best. So she's going to try to get in Laylene's ear to vote for Shay. And she's like, sure, go for it. And Brooke's like, okay, but in return for me doing that, you have to vote for me for best. I mean, we know that I'm not going to win it, but it's that way it's more likely going to go in a in the direction of putting Safari confirmed in the bottom. Yeah. What is so stupid about all of what follows is that Brooke, regardless of whether you got voted the worst or not, you, your ass was 100% going in the bottom three. Yeah. Like, it was unavoidable. You were 100% going home. There was no way around that. No possible way around that. Because in my mind, like, and not to spoil it, because they do go into this, they do give Safari credit for starting to walk away. Yes. And she tried. Well, we're not going to. We'll, we'll save get it. it. Yes. So Brooke says, you know, this isn't about who actually did the best. It's all about strategy. So clearly she is primed and ready for I Love Money, which I'm actually now more excited to go back to. Like, I feel like note taking wise, it's going to be tough. But in terms of when is that on our list? I think that that starts. I think that it's this rock of love. I love New York. And maybe real chance of love, honestly. Jeez. We'll take a look at the calendar. One it's, of these I days. forgot. I just am so focused on Rock of Love that I haven't even thought about what's coming after that. So Shay is doing the counting and she's like, okay, so three votes for Safari is the worst if we can get Laylene to do it. And Brooke is like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Laylene and we're going to talk about it. So Brooke straight up says in a talking head, Laylene doesn't have a mind of her own. She's very easy to persuade. And Shay is in a talking head like, look, I'm just trying not to be in the bottom for the first time in like five to six, five or six lessons. Like, let's be real. So then Brooke calls Laylene in and Laylene's there and they start with like just between us and do like a little pinky swear. And she's like, Becky and Safari are going to take each other, you know, because they're best friends. And she's like, you know, they're doing this for friendship. And Laylene's like... They're not doing this for friendship. And then turns to Laylene and goes, Laylene, look at me. Look at me. Which condescending as fuck and child, like insulting. And not really, at the very least, regardless of the morality of it, not a good way to get votes. No. It shows more of like a lack of respect, respect. for. Exactly. So she breaks down the plan of how if Shay votes in Brooke and Laylene's favor and then they vote for Shay in turn, then it'll be a tie. And. Laylene, as we know, tends to get overwhelmed by these things. And she's like, you know, I'm like the worst at this. And I I laughed a little bit, too. But then again, I am also somebody with like sensory processing shit. Like being told a lot of information like that sometimes doesn't always make sense to me. Because I'm the kind of person like, you know, better than anybody where I'm like, just tell me like when you tell me, okay. I need you to give me this much for this bill and this much for this bill. I, I no, you always, say, what like, do I say? Just I let me know the number just in the Just give me the just exact the number. number. I don't need to know the math. Just give me the exact number of how much you need to give, of how much I need to give you and we'll call it a day because you can't be saying all that shit to me. It gets overwhelming. Laylene is obviously stressed about how hard this of a decision this is, recognizing full well that she is going to be the tie-breaking vote 
in at least one case. Yeah. So she's like trying her best to make an informed decision, which I'm like, this isn't an actual election. It's not that serious. So Brooke keeps asking her if she understands, if she understands. And Laylene is literally holding her head in her hands. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like a visual learner. I'm a kinetic learner. And Brooke is like laughing at her. And this was awkward because Laylene is like leaving the room because I guess she wants to try to make a decision some more. And she's like, you guys know this. She's like, you can tell me till I'm black and blue, which I was like, I know the expression is blue in the face, but given her domestic violence background is like very uncomfortable. It's terrible. I'm not laughing at the domestic violence part. That is awful. But like, I'm just laughing more at like how uncomfortably unintentionally fitting her saying you can tell me till I'm black and blue is you know but I'm not an audio learner and Brooke says in a talking head I think like Laylene Laylene pretends not to understand but it's not that difficult and I'm like for Laylene it is that difficult actually I kind of feel like like I feel like if she would have just said vote for me for this vote for Safari for vote for Shay or me for best and vote for Safari for worst then you could have avoided all of this trouble and if you would have really just made a point to try to be like here's all the things that Safari did wrong and Safari's competition for you for x y and z reason and here's why you should do blah 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 if you would have just not confused her with the strategy and just said, here's why you need to vote for this person. Here's why you need to vote for this person. This would have Simplify been a non-issue. It. That's all you need. Keep it simple. Non-issue. Mm-hmm. So Laylene then goes back to Safari, who's like, does basically what, at least what you need to do for Laylene, which is like, do you want to stay here? And Laylene says yes. And they're like, she's like do you want to win the $50,000? And Laylene is like, Yes. And Safari's like, okay, here's the deal. I wrote it down for you. And she broke it down in, like, visual aids. It was still a pretty decent-sized chart, though. She's, I mean, it was way, again... She was overdoing it. Again, way more effort put into this than necessary. Exactly. But she did make the effort to understand a little bit better how Laylene is capable of learning. And maybe, like, drawing it out would make more sense to her. Yeah. So props to At Safari for yes, that. She tried. And then I, I don't think Laylene, I mean, maybe she does. I mean, she kind of does in a way. But, like, Laylene does a talking head, like, oh, great, now I have Safari in my ear telling me what to do. It's, like, system overload. And it's, like, you should give her a little bit more credit for trying to get it in a way you understand or a way you're more likely to understand. Yeah. You good? You going through puberty Jeez, over there? <laughs> my mouth is just dry. So then Laylene goes back to her room where Brooke and Shay are and is asking her for oh no she goes back to yes Laylene goes back to her own room where Brooke and Shay are sitting and is like I need my notebook and my pen you know I just want to be able to plan it out myself and Brooke's like who are you going with and Laylene's like nobody I'm going by myself and Brooke's like you can't plan it out by yourself you need you like you you can't plan it out with people or something like she's like something with people numbers. and she's like you need numbers and Laylene just sighs and Brooke's like you're overthinking it which everybody's overthinking it and you know I'm just trying to help you and she's like as a friend just listen to us and quit thinking and Laylene goes fine then can I just go eat and Brooke's like yeah you can eat and Laylene's like I don't know what to think there are so many thoughts going through my head and then they just play this fucking wind blowing sound Poor Laylene. They give her the extra stupid edit this week. They do. 
Like, they make her look extra dumb. It's always a theme, but yes, this week in particular. I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, these are all things that she said, but they're not doing her any favors by... And then they're also do a lot of talking heads where she's like, I'm smart. And I promise it's not about the fact that she can't process information that makes me think that she's dumb. Because like I said, I have I struggle with a lot of the same issues. I see a lot of myself in a lot of the way Laylene is dealing with these things. But at the same time, as much as she purports herself to be good at, she's not really that good at. It's like they give her almost like the Ralph Wiggum kind of cut. From The Simpsons. Yeah, or like regular size Rudy. Who? From Bob's Burgers. The one in the episode with the two butted, butted goat where they're waiting on the line. They're like, Rudy, you're here too. And he's like, I was here the whole time. Oh, yeah. Like kind of, yes. Poor Laylene. I just want the best for her, you know? Yes. Doesn't seem like it's going like that, but I still hope for it. So it's time for votes. And... Monique calls them over the loudspeaker to report downstairs and cast their votes. And they each come down one by one. Respect for the voting process, which is nice. Sort of. Until we get to later and then uh, Mickey blows up Laylene's whole spot. Mm. Also, I just want to talk before we get into the voting. that So it's set up over to the side underneath the bulletin board. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the same bulletin board as where the notes usually go, but it is underneath a bulletin board that has two signs on it. One of which is for spring fling auditions tonight in the auditorium. And the other is for field hockey tryouts. It's a sign-up sheet with signatures on it. So they Why? Gave, they gave them a little fun thing, like in high school. No, I understand what they're trying to do. It's I just, just fun. It's silly. So we see Brooke go down first and write down Shay for best and Safari for worst. Safari writes down Becky for best and Brooke for worst. Shay, as she comes down, does a talking head in an outfit that I could swear we saw her wear on Flavor of Love. But God bless being able to wear a crop top that high comfortably when you're lazing around. Like my, oh, be a scary look on me. But Shay says in a talking head, I think Becky and Safari are going to vote for me for worst. And I'm surprised at Becky because I thought we were friends. But like from here on out nope like that's over that's canceled (laughs) moving on to the next thing so we don't get to see how she voted but i guess they're trying to set up towards the end of this episode because there's a talking head with shay at the end that i didn't even bother to write down they're really driving home this shay against everybody point for the Mm -hmm. final episode because in case you didn't know there's a clip show which we're not covering then the finale and then the reunion so that's it but they're really driving home this Shay the underdog narrative, which kind of is out of nowhere. But she was always, I mean, she was like floating along the whole time, it seemed. Yeah. Because she's like not especially. Not falling behind and not standing out. Yeah. Doesn't stand out above a crowd. Even if she's got a shout out loud. Yeah. Becky votes after that, but we don't see her how she votes. And then Laylene is the last one, of course. And they do this. She does this talking head about how she's she knows she's the deciding factor and how it's an awkward situation for her to be in. She goes, I'm I'm strong. I'm intelligent. And I'm not just a pretty face. I feel good about my decision and I'm ready to face the consequences. (laughs) Ma'am, 
nowhere near as serious as your main. I mean, I'm happy she's finding this like self worth in herself and everything. I know, I know. Which is nice. I guess because we're in the middle of an election year with everything with the world falling apart, that I'm like, a vote about who is in the top and the bottom is not, you know, you're giving it way too much credit. So then Brooke does a quick talking head. She's like, after all the time I wasted, explain to Laylene what the fuck is going on and how to vote. She better side with me and Shay. So Mickey calls, like yells for them across the house to join them in the Grand Hall, to join her in the Grand Hall. Apparently she doesn't get loudspeaker privileges. Nope. And says that the votes have been tallied and here are ultimately the results. So with two votes, apparently... Becky is voted the best representative and is safe from elimination. That is very confusing to me how she won with two. Not to me. I guess for herself. And no, she probably you probably can't vote for yourself. They didn't say that, though. But I feel like what happened was. Oh, maybe Laylene voted for her. I think Laylene gave her the best vote. Because when you look at the way the math goes, because you're going to you're about to announce. That's, do you want to say like, who the again, worst is first? So obviously, and then we could do that. So they do make this very dramatic because, well, not very dramatic in the scope of how these shows tend to go. But Becky obviously is voted best and is then safe from elimination. And Mickey says then after that, with two votes for Safari and two votes for Book, Book Brooke for the worst representative. Don't judge her by her cover. That left Laylene with the deciding vote, and you voted for Brooke. Yes. So what it means is she Mickey, voted for Becky messy first. Messy as hell. So yeah. So I guess Safari and Laylene both voted for Becky as best representation. Yes. Yeah, I guess then Brooke would have voted for Shay. Shay would have voted for Brooke. Yes. And Brooke, Laylene, they all got one. Brooke, Laylene, and... Well, then who would have voted for Laylene? Nobody nobody that's what i'm saying the math on that doesn't add up no it's in this case it would be shay for brooke brooke for shay yeah also in the end she probably would have she wouldn't she i guess the whole thing was like you know you're not gonna win the best so just make sure we're not the worst so they flip flop i'm, uh, I'm having a real lately moment right now i can't safari, figure I, need a, I need a visual aid safari, all right so this side safari and becky for each other mm-hmm. this side brooke and shay for each other oh so leaving so, laylene as the only other person so i guess vote for that's anyone. true because brooke wouldn't i mean uh because becky if she can't vote for herself yes. wouldn't have voted for anybody so but what safari. She, so what she did technically is what brooke wanted to do for the other side got it so instead of being like hey vote for shay best safari worst she went becky best yeah, no, I get worst, it. Yes. I get it now. Math. Blech. Bicky dismisses them. I think we get a quick talking head from Shay, from somebody. I didn't even write it down because it was so pointless, but it immediately leads into Brooke fully yelling at Laylene. She's like, read the question again and tell me I was the worst. And Laylene's like, you don't have to swear at me. Granted, we didn't get a swear in this scene, but Brooke. I know, again, I'll say it. I said it about Larissa and I'll say it again about Brooke. I know that it's hypocritical of me to be like, wow, they're really swearing a lot. But like, yeah. I feel like there's a time and a place for swears. No, in this case, she's and I'd just love so, to swear. She's so enraged that it's just what she has to do. But I'm saying Because this, this is like, thing. yo, Brooke, like the only reason she's going off this bad is like, yeah, she thought Laylene was on her side and this and that. But it's like she knows she was fucking terrible. She knows she was horrible. And she knows that she's going to go home Exactly. Now. The whole thing, that's the only reason she's this mad. Yeah. 
Because she's like, fuck, you just signed my she's, ticket exactly. to go home. So Brooke's like, so Laylene was like, you don't have to swear at me. And Brooke's like, yes, I do. <laughs> she goes, read the question and tell me that I was the worst. And Laylene's like, yeah, actually, I am going to tell you that you were the worst. And Brooke's like, OK, explain to me why. And Laylene goes, because I don't think you carried yourself appropriately. And it's supposed to be a reflection of the school and also a reflection of how women are supposed to carry themselves in general. And you didn't carry yourselves properly last night. And Brooke says in a talking head, it's definitely Laylene's fault I was voted the worst. We're <laughs> like, fucking duh. Like, Mickey straight out said Laylene was the deciding vote. Exactly. But then she goes, but Laylene doesn't have enough power to get me sent home. Again, duh. Yeah, you ain't fucking He-Man. I have the power! I think that's Well, also, it she's is. not is an executive. I've got... No, it's I, I have I the know. power, I think. I don't fucking know. We're late 80s. It was before 80s. my time, know. yeah. Apologies. Cowabunga! How about that? That was my time. <laughs> Cowabunga! How about that? Is that a catch me outside? Wow. Sorry, everybody. Wow. It's brain melt. A mel- moment to reflect. It's brain melt o'clock. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah. Laylene is sitting on one bed. That Becky is later laying in. And Brooke and Shay are sitting across from her on the other bed. So they're trying to argue. And Brooke turns to Laylene and goes, Laylene, when I'm talking to you, don't look at her. And Laylene's like, don't talk to me like that because I am not a little girl and you are not my mother. And Laylene's like, I'm a mother of three. And you're going to talk to me like I'm a little girl? You're the one who sounds like an idiot right now. I was like, spicy takes from Laylene. Goddamn. <laughs> so she goes, oh, she continues. And she's like, I've taken too much shit in my life. And I don't want to take this crap from Brooke. So I'm like, Gordon, this is your dream. That sounds exhausting. So... Brooke says to Laylene, I can drink if I want. I'm 21. And I swear to God, before because I forgot to check the math on that at first. I If I would have been drinking something at that moment, I would have done a spit take all over my laptop screen. Because I was I'm, like, bitch, that's a, rough, that's a rough 21. But she's actually at this point 27. Yeah. Or turning 27. She's 26 turning 27, I think. Depending on when her birthday was and when they filmed this, whatever. She says, so then she goes on this whole thing about how Laylene is acting like she's better than everybody else. She's like, you sit there and act like you're a saint. You know, you don't have to sit there and act like you're a saint, which is what you're trying to do. And she's like, oh, you don't want the $50,000. You're here to better yourself. <laughs> like, you know, you can you can question a lot of people's motives on this show. But I feel like Laylene is pretty sincerely like she's taking this shit like way more seriously than she needs to for you to question whether she's really here to better yes. herself plus i think she's older than a lot of them she's 30 31 as we've established at this point if i was still making these i mean i'm that age now if i'm still making those kinds of mistakes that's where i you kind of have this moment if you're like a somewhat self-aware person yeah. and you're like what needs to change like what do i you need, need to a do reality better check. right and he so Brooke that yeah Brooke then accuses her of only wanting to be here so America doesn't think that she's a stripper. I can't take myself back to 2007 to what I thought about Laylene at the time, but when I thought about Laylene for the first time like coming back to this show in 2019, I 
didn't think of her as the stripper one. Like, when they mentioned that she was a stripper, I was like, one, not surprised. Two, I guess I kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah. But it wasn't like Laylene the stripper. So I don't remember if 2007 was any different in terms of how we thought about her, but you didn't guy, remember you go, her Oh, all. hot. Nice. Right. Well, I think that she's hotter than you do. Well, I am a big fan of uh, Heather. That's why. Yeah, you were too distracted by and and Nicole, as we're going to call crazy? her. Although we're going to go back to calling them their fake names at at some point. I love that, money. Right? I love money. I'm yeah. pretty sure they all go by their fake names. It's what they're more well known as. I mean, they still. Call You're not them. human beings. You're not. Well, they. <laughs> They go back to those names and they all call each other those names. I know. Like they throughout do a the lot show, throughout it's what they this do. show. It's just who they are. Yeah. yeah. So Safari does a talking head and normally I wouldn't have written this down except it cracked me up. She's like, Brooks yelling at Laylene about how she's a backstabbing tramp ass bitch, stripper, calling her every name in the book. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you, nipple girl? Nipple girl. And I don't know what the context is. Like... The nipple has something to do. I have a her feeling. Her nipple touched someone's face at some point or she says it oh, does. What was that Oh, from? that's right. Where she lifted up her dress that time. Going at Shatar. Uh, yeah, but I think part of me thinks too that maybe she like took a titty out at the... They would have probably shown that. Well, because she also says it during the debate scene. Oh, like, yeah, so with Brooke, nipples. it's like you did not rub your nipple on that on her face. Oh, or that's whatever. right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She, yeah, that's right. She does think of her. That explains Maybe that. Maybe she just ran at her titty first, ran, rubbed it <laughs> on her face, and that was it. So, so there I was, barbecue sauce. So, on so my I was, I was going to say mm-hmm. it, but then I held back. So Laylene, back to Lay, real time, so to speak. Laylene is just shaking her head, and she's just like, "You just don't get it." And Brooke's like, "Oh, I get it. I get everything. I get that you're a fake fucking bitch. And all I know is, at the end of the day, you're gonna go back and still strip." And Laylene's like, "You're wrong." <laughs> like the drama of it all, and I guess because we've watched so many Disney movies lately, where I'm like, "Don't. You're just setting her up to have this traumatic, like this victorious moment." You know what I mean? Let's get down to business. To defeat know. the bums. Whack. I was good. Well, I was gonna say, instead. Of, I'll make a man out of you. I'll make a stripper out of you. Well, we don't. We don't want to make a stripper out of her. That's the point. But I mean, On again, the pole. I mean, is the, where you'll go spinning. I mean, the thing is, there's a lot you can say about Laylene. Props to her. Yeah. That is like making money that way. No, I mean, well, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is it's like if, if the you're best, good at it, yo. It's a. It's like and she was holy, good at it. Yeah. We watched her. In that one episode of Flavor of Love, she did an excellent job. And she's got the hair down perfectly. She's got, like, good fake boobs. Like, I realize because they're not even that big. Like, you see in another scene where she's standing sideways. And I'm like, they don't even really look that big. They're proportionate. Yeah, she she got an excellent boob job. Her and Teresa Judice, two of the best fake boob jobs in television. (laughs) And Brittany from Vanderpump. Yes, her, yes. (laughs) Best fake boobs in reality TV. Uh, that could be a show. <laughs> no. Or a special. No. No. It's from the a child. A child. Oh, I don't know. I just think that it's so whack that like the best any of these ladies can do to try to insult her is be like, you're just a stripper. Yeah. Like You're stripping- a person who makes a lot of money. You're a person who makes a lot of money by manipulating stupid men. Yeah, that's what and that's yeah. 
just because men want to be around titties. And I know it's that it talent. sounds hypocritical after saying like men should manipulate women. First of all, there's a huge power differential that makes a huge difference. It's only fair. And two, men's it's trip. not my fault that, well, like it's men. Male stripping is different. Like, I don't know a single woman who has gone to a male strip club and, like, for enjoyment of wanting, like, a dick in their face, you know? As opposed to men. Why do women go to men's strip clubs? To laugh. They go? Because it's silly. It's just absurd. I've never been to one, but that's all my friends who have gone are, like, it's just an absurd experience. And not to shame hmm. male strippers, like it's a form no, of entertainment. Make your money. You do your no, thing. it's a yeah. form of entertainment. Not all of it needs to be. Some women out there do just want dicks in their face. I mean, but most of us don't. Most of us end up with dicks in our face, whether we like it or not. So that's true. That's pretty funny. But men go to see titties. They go to Hooters to see to like to see implied titty. Well, Hooters. That's how it used to be. They're still dressed like that, right? Yeah. Unless they change the but uniforms. But the early, the early days of Hooters was where they were very discriminatory, and it was only like big boobs. Not true. Or big butts. I was in, because they're based out of Myrtle Beach, and we used to go down there every summer for a couple summers in a row. And I that was back when there was Hooters Airlines, so it was around this time. Yeah, I'm talking like before that. Oh, well, I'm sure probably in the very That's early days. That's what I'm saying, days. the early, yeah. But I swear like to God, I, played, like, I was like, I was a... I don't know, 16 year old at Myrtle Beach watching these Hooters airline. What's because stewardess isn't the term anymore, obviously. I don't know, flight concierge? Like flight attendants. There we go. That's the word. That might work. So all the attendants are still in their Hooters uniforms. And I was looking at them going, I have bigger boobs than all of you. That's weird. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, no I don't, I've never gone to Hooters and not been the most blessed <laughs> it's funny how you say it hair flip um i've talked about my boobs way too much this episode the show in general really given There's a lot like, of titty who talk i know earlier. listens to it um it's fine whatever it's just a part of the human where, body where we oh so you're sexualizing and, them so okay, so even beyond so what i was going to say is even beyond the the fact that it it's great to manipulate easily manipulated men who are signing up to be manipulated you know what i mean yeah it's all point beyond that it takes a lot of strong strength physical and mental and emotional to be a stripper no, absolutely. Like when you watch, like what was it, sh- Showgirls that we watched the oh, other God. day? Oh God, that's what we watched the other day too. What boobs. a disaster! But that's one of those things. Like you see the way the guys are talking to the girls, and it's like there's that's... obviously those guys in real life. That is how some of them. I mean, like, what did I I've say? been to some, and it's always being respectful. Like thank God you but try. Like, yeah. You know, I came away. Didn't I say when we left Hustlers? I was like, I realized I could never be a stripper because I'm not good at compartmentalizing people dis- being disrespectful to me. Yeah, it, it's rough when it's there. Like I could never. Like there's always the fake flirting stuff. Yeah, but like you don't like, have to be right, mean. It's you part can of the just politely be yeah, like, fun. you can politely be like, no, thank you. You know, good luck out there. The one time I went to a strip club and I was drunk as hell. It was with women, and I just. I saw this lady doing all this cool acrobatic stuff, so I put my tip down on the stage, and I made eye contact with her, and I gave her a thumbs up. Good for you. 
Because I mean, I respect. The, you feel. Some, I respect the talent. It's yeah. The feeling. Choreography though, is hard. Where Listen. you're asked like, oh, like, do you want to dance or something? You do almost get a guilt feeling like, oh my god, I don't want her to think she's not attractive. But like, I'm not then here to say. Sp- I think that you're you're very. That's very nice of you. Thank you. I no, that's normally it, what no, you do. You. No, that's normally you say things like that. But it's you're not there to spend like. 20 30 bucks to go dance and you got a tip and all this it's like yeah like eh, i'm sorry i'm not a i'm not a professional <laughs> yeah you had more money who knows how but you know, i'm on the verge of the pushover there where it's like oh my god i don't want to but now i feel like i'm a bad guy if i don't accept the dance so she's, she's not gonna get it from you she's gonna get it from no they normally else, they're just know? like no okay i'll see you later i want to rewatch hustlers at some point i'm good. happy you didn't say showgirls no, Showgirls is not my. We don't have enough cars baseline. to dramatically. I don't know what she does there. Not collapse onto, but she always just looks like the and then runs over to the car and oh like arms God. down, head down. As bad as I thought it was going to be, it was like infinitely yes, worse. Storming out of rooms just, all the time. Just the worst. Like one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and not even like fun bad because like I love the room with Tommy Wiseau. This was yeah, but that's on its own level. Uh, well, we we don't have time to. It's already no. we're already at two and a half hours. Like we we don't need to go into any more. Why did I bring all this up? Oh, so basically the idea that they're insulting Laylene for being a stripper one is very much like that morality era of this time. Okay, like, boomer. Yeah, but just the idea that stripping oh, shit. is something. Hang on my phone. <laughs> I said it, and my phone ended up popping up. Oh God! We have to start putting our phones in the in other rooms, but just the idea that somebody would try to insult someone by being like "You're a stripper" is just silly. Like these women are badass. It takes a lot of tenacity to be able to withstand that job, and I salute you. Tenacity. <sighs> that could be the theme of the episode. So Laylene, oh, and I forgot this part. So Laylene says in a talking head that she's like, oh, she's like making fun of Buckby, like, you're a slut. And she's like, well, at least I get paid. You give it for free, which I feel like is one of those things that she realized after the fact. She should have said that to Brooke's face, but it was one of those things that was like, fuck, I didn't like you realize in the shower later, like a sick comeback. Yeah. So Safari actually backs Laylene up and tells Brooke that. You know, everybody thought that Brooke was acting like a hoe. And Brooke's like, that's fine. And Lillian's like, and you're okay with that? And Brooke's like, are you okay with being with rich guys who just want to bang the fuck out of you and then suck on your fake tits? <laughs> she was like, chill, relax. I think it could be worse. So Lillian says in a talking head, you know, I'm just looking at her and I'm like, you're so ugly right now. Who needs friends like this? And then I didn't know if she said that in the talking head or in like what she said that led up to this. But Brooke, they go immediately to Brooke screaming at her. I'm not your fucking friend, bitch. She's always just she's got so much anger bottled up. I mean, she's got to be deeply unhappy to live your life like jumping from reality show to reality show instead of. I mean, that says something as well. Yes, that definitely says something as well. Because she's been. We can talk a little bit. We can talk a little bit more about some of that later. 
but and Laylene's like wow at least the truth finally comes out and Brooke's like I said I'm not your friend because you went and fucked it up and Laylene's like because I didn't do what you told me to do like I made my own decision is that really what you're so pissed about and Brooke's like well I'm glad you're happy with being a fake bitch because that's what you're being and Laylene just goes no <laughs> so Laylene says in a talking head that she's glad she made her own decision and that she stood up to Brooke and she can't wait for her to go home so Monique calls over the loudspeaker that they'll be meeting in the Grand Hall in one hour for elimination. And Safari says, Laylene worked her magic. I was like, you go, bitch. You're fierce. Too many snaps. A lot of snaps. Oh, snap. To go with that 2000s lingo. Yeah. Then basically Safari says, uh, Brooke should go home. It's elimination time. Two and a half hours later. Uh, so we're back from commercial and everybody's lined up in the grand hall. Brooke says in a talking head that she would love for Laylene to go home tonight. And isn't it funny? Because I was trying to help her ass out since she has, but since she has newfound fake friends, I hope Laylene goes home tonight. Laylene does her talking head and she's like crying and she's like, I would love to see Brooke go home tonight. And if this is supposed to be a reflection of charm school, she didn't represent that at all. So Monique does her little preamble thing and reminds us and them that the lesson was about relationships and they were placed in a social situation where they could meet and evaluate different kinds of men, but none of them picked the right man from the group. She reminds Becky that she was voted for the best representative, so she's safe and calls down Brooke, Laylene, and Safari to the carpet. This part's pretty quick and leading up to the iconic shit. Mm-hmm. So they start with Laylene and Keith says, you know, he's basically just disappointed that she spent a good deal of time with the one guy that she was attracted to and kind of ignored the point of the competition. Mm-hmm. Mickey even is kind of struggling with something to say. She's like, you did a reverse turn last night and spent a long time with the professional. Don't do the two step. Keep walking forward and walk strong. I mean, well, I take that back. I guess it is good advice because that's kind of her main relationship history is guys like that and it's like regardless of the fact that you didn't follow the directions like the point of this is also like break out of that pattern yes because if you keep doing the same shit you're gonna get the same results then they move on to safari and keith says keith actually gives her credit and he's like it's almost like you recognize that you've encountered men like this before and you know you thought to yourself you know i don't want to be near him or there's going to be a problem but you still managed to get close enough and not walk away. And then you full on lost it. And Mickey's like, don't let anybody bait you. You know, if that's your weak point, you just have to guard against it. So Safari says in a talking head, talking head, <laughs> talking head. She's like, me arguing with Seashell? That's not as bad as Brooke, and like, Brooke looking like Pamela Anderson on crack. There we go. Got there eventually. Please clap. Actually, speaking of pr- please clap. They move on to Brooke and Keith starts by applauding, which you know is not a good sign. And he goes, I got to tell you, you were ready to engage with whatever came along. And it just reminded me of a quote my mom used to say, which was, you can put as much lipstick on a pig as you want, but it's not going to make her a lady, which (sighs) I'm torn because Brooke's behavior was out of pocket. Very unladylike. 
And granted, we go into a whole scene where Monique is basically calling her a whore and a slut. And while that's I'm not condoning that, it offended me way less than Keith looking her in the face and calling her a pig. With lipstick. With lipstick. Which, I mean, Miss Piggy is a pig with lipstick and she's iconic. But Brooke turns to him and she's like, are you calling me a pig? And Keith's like, I would say it's pretty fitting. I don't know. I don't know if it's like my bias for Keith or just like rude white men. But like, I don't know. I That really bothered me in a way that I don't know if it would have bothered me necessarily if it came from. I don't know. I guess the whole it would have bothered me regardless. I feel like. Like it's like very harsh. Like, like no, it's... no. I feel like when I was younger, I was probably like, "Haha, that's true." Well, it's more so to the fact that like obviously I, not call like, her a pig. Like, oh, you're a pig. I think there's some. I think being called a pig is being is worse than called being just called a slut or yeah. whore. Be like you're being I think that's slutty. what bothers yes. me. Yeah, and which is it's what he's probably trying to make the analogy to, but it's just not. No, working. I mean that's what the expression is. It's basically saying that she's like trash. Yeah. Which is tough. Like, it's it's just, it's it's much more mean-spirited. Like, well, we'll get into Monique's. <laughs> we'll get into Monique in a second. But Mickey says, your behavior last night was a disgrace. You not only brought shame upon yourself, you brought shame upon your fellow classmates. It on is you? Very, on your cow? Yeah, it's... And we just watched Mulan. We did. This is like, and this, I sang this is part the, of the song. And before. we referenced uh, the Chinese food lady playing M- Mulan's mom. Yeah. And Bechdel Cash just did a Mulan recap that was very good. A lot of Mulan stuff. Well, because it was supposed to come out around now. This, uh, which is why there's a couple lot days of on Mulan Friday. Stuff. Yeah, this past Friday yeah. would have come out. So we get Monique coming out from behind the table for her final thoughts. So. She starts with Safari and goes, last night I was really surprised at your behavior. You got into a verbal altercation with one of the men. And even though he may have been wrong, you lost control. But you weren't the worst last night. So mm. please go back to the stairs. So Becky, I mean, uh, Becky and Safari hug and Safari is safe. She go- moves on to Laylene and says, you deserve so much more. So step it up and know what it is that you don't want. Please go back to the stairs. So then it's just Brooke, which they haven't done this before. Like they haven't. They there were times where they would dismiss one person and leave the final yeah. two there. This was like they wanted all like, eyes yes. on Brooke. You're about to get in read. that moment, right? You're about to get dragged within an inch of your life. So Brooke says in a talking head quickly, like I don't know what she was thinking. Like the lesson was to find the right guy, and Laylene didn't even get off. Didn't even get off one guy's nuts because she wanted him so bad. And it's like that's not what the lesson was she's like after the show Laylene will be back on the pole so Monique then tears into Brooke and says last night you became a complete embarrassment you got drunk and lost all composure you were sexually explicit with every man here it stepped it stepped out of flirtatious and stepped into being prostitution and Brooke defends herself by saying the lesson was to find the man who you think is the renaissance guy and everybody's like well we're not fucking denying that you just did it so monique's like okay so in that lesson did Tariq tell you how to suck the ice sculpture and brooke's like i wasn't sucking the ice sculpture i was taking a shot out of it which is funny because it's not that part's not funny but 
as I mentioned before, when I take my notes, I will occasionally use the voice typing. Mm -hmm. Now, normally when I'm taking notes, when there isn't a pandemic going on, I'm usually doing them home alone. Mike is in the next room as I'm saying out loud. I wasn't sucking the ice sculpture. I was taking a shot out of it. And he's like laughing at me in the other room because I have to repeat in very clear terms exactly what I just heard Brooke say into You only do it with like the most, I don't know, I guess it's the specific lines. Like that's where it's like almost, I guess every that's what she said fucking moment. Yeah. Out of context, except the context is exactly what it is. These. So Monique's like, you know, because Brooke's obviously not absorbing any of this. And Monique's like, in this lesson, did did Tariq tell you to let a man put his hands all over your body? And Brooke's like, well, no, but... And Monique's like, I'm sad for you because this is your first time on the carpet. And, like, look what it took to get you here. You know? You had to come as the whore of charm school. And they cut back to Safari, and whose eyes shoot open and... She is laughing her ass off. And Brooke's like, I don't think you should call me a whore. That's where I draw the line. And what's funny is I knew that this line was coming in this context. And I kind of thought the same thing myself, which I was like, well, kind of like, well, I might as well use this to lead into the iconic line of the week, of the series, of VH1 almost in general. It is. The behavior that you exhibited was whore-like. The whore jumped out and then it jumped back in. Well, what I was trying to say without spoiling it, basically, (laughs) is that I did think to myself, well, Brooke, your behavior was (laughs) whore-like. You know. You're such a shamer. I'm not. Look at you. You've changed so much in one episode. I can't believe it. I know. Monique goes on and is like, you know, we can't have that here. And for that, I'm going to have to expel you. And Brooke's like, I'm not surprised. But then because I realized she also was crying in her second or her previous exit interview, I call them. Yeah. She was crying in the last one, obviously, because New York was trying to beat her ass. But she's like, when she let me out of the house, she didn't say like all the good things. She's like, you're a whore. Peace, and we're supposed to look up to that. That's a fucking joke. Well, she and that's said not nice what things. she said. Well, that's the thing because we then have Monique following it up with, "I wish you all the best that life has given to you." And Brooke goes, "I don't believe you, but okay." And Monique's like trying to be really patient with her and being like, "Listen, I understand that it hurts to hear the truth. I mean, that's not really the part I think that bothers. I mean, yeah, I think it's." She's getting very hung up on being called a whore in particular, but obviously because that's insulting. But I think that Brooke probably did take some of this to heart and was like, was not trying to absorb the point of what Monique was trying to say. No, she was just because she goes on, right? So she goes on and she's like, you know, I understand, like it hurts, you know, to hear the truth. And Brooke's like, I'm not a fucking saint. I never said that I was. And Monique's like, and I hope again one day when you look in the mirror, you dig that girl named Brooke looking back, which I thought was very nice. Mm. And Brooke's like, oh, I love Brooke. I'm proud of my shit. And Monique's like, I love my vagina. (laughs) 
Monique's like, when you realize that you deserve so much more, you'll never again expose your beautiful self like that. And she's like holding her by the chin very yeah. lovingly and while you can she's see doing Brooke, this. Brooke is about to snap. Yeah. But I think that, well, we'll get to it in a second. But Brooke, in her exit interview again, is like, I don't know many principals that talk shit to their students. So maybe she needs another fucking job. And it's like, this isn't Monique's job. She's exactly, a comedian. Yes. So Brooke storms through all the ladies on the stairs. Normally they kind of walk around them or there's some more space, but she makes a point to walk right through them. And as she's like halfway to the door, she's like, Laylene, you're next. And then when she reaches the door, she's like, and no, I'm not going to fucking spit America. And Becky out loud goes, thank you. (laughs) And Monique's like, well, I'm glad she didn't spit. So then Imagine Brooke, if Becky just that or one of them they just turn around and be like, "Yeah, you're gonna swallow you whore." Oh, jeez. As the door closes, jeez. Do not let her back in. So see, then Spit would have showed up. Brooke, again in the exit interview, is like, "I am not the fucking whore of Char School. I just like my tits." And then flashes, flashes the tits. camera. Yeah. It's it was a choice. I'm including this as another iconic line of the week because it ties in both themes of the previous iconic lines of the week. It is... In the end, Brooke was eliminated because she was being slutatious. She was, you know, the whore of charm school. A slutatious whore. (laughs) And if people say, Monique, how can you laugh at that? Because damn it, it's funny. We really need to watch Monique stand up. I think we'll we'll put it on She's funny in movies. Well, that's what I'm saying. You always say that when I say that in response. We have nothing but time now, and we're sick of everything on all the streaming services. That's not we true. Should... You are sick of most everything. Because not all of us can literally watch The Office on a continuous loop for five years. Well, I also have anime that I haven't seen, but they have annoying English accents as the English dub. So Monique dismisses the Joe, four... Joe. Monique dismisses the four remaining ladies... Laylene says in a talking head, I'm very happy that Brooke went home. I think, and this honestly, I have to say, is I think more insightful than Laylene realized. And she goes, I think that she, Brooke, is the female version of the pro- of the professional. She contextualized it by saying she was trying to demean my intelligence. But I think it was that very aggressive magnetic sort of thing that like Laylene just gravitates towards that type of energy I think it's because she likes people who will call the shots for her mm-hmm. she doesn't have Less to thinking. think about it yep. she doesn't have to think she doesn't have to work hard she can just it's just easier if somebody tells her what to do so she gravitates towards that type of personality so in that way she gravitated towards it in relationships and she gravitated towards it as a friend like that she spoke volumes in that one sentence like more than i think that she realized so she's the pushover a thousand percent like i don't think that was you know no i know it's just we i was never up for two debate. out of four p's yeah so uh she then finishes up by saying well i learned from my mistake i'm not an idiot i'm pretty sure she's on i love money and i guarantee she gets bullshitted like hustled ba- led astray and bamboozled again probably so they, all the ladies walk up the stairs and Monique calls after them that tomorrow is their final exams. Ooh. Oh, God, I feel like that's going to be a nightmare. Note taking wise, but nobody listening cares about that. 
Monique then turns to the deans and says, it's never a dull moment. And Mickey goes, never. And that is the whole episode. The closing credit scene is kind of funny. It's nice. You know, Becky apparently found a frog outside and shows it to Safari. They name it Snoop Froggy Frog. And Becky says that maybe if they kiss him, the frog, they'll, he'll turn into the urban renaissance man, which I thought was funny. A nice yeah. little fitting tie-in. Whew. That was a big one. And we're almost done. Don't even have to ask us. She obviously went home. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Like, it was very clear who should have gone home. Yeah. Again, not because she was trying to fuck around, but it was because, one, she was mean to the other people. and But mainly because she didn't follow the directions and didn't seem to understand yes. what the directions were that the needed to be followed. Complete opposite of what the lesson entailed. Yes. The interesting thing, though, what I think is kind of a nice conclusion to this is that we don't see Brooke anymore. Not not immediately following this, but I mean yeah. in the present day. We don't see her anymore. VH1 did a quick interview with her in 2017. It They didn't ask a lot of the questions that I would have liked for them to ask, but I guess it kind of makes sense because then it would kind of put vh1 to blame like i would kind of be curious to see if she took anything from this discussion she had with monique because you know like i well, so what she said is now she moved back home to virginia mm -hmm. she is an accountant last we heard which is incredible like gives me hope that i'm still going to be able to get a job at some point despite this bullshit you know yeah but i just i really like that she, I think, regardless of whether she would credit Monique with instilling this in her, it seems like she's taken that lesson to heart. That last little bit of, like, you're going to realize at some point you don't need to do all of this. And it seems like she did. So I think that's pretty nice. Ends it on a positive I was note. just going to say, at least we can end it there. Uh, do we have anything else? Do you have any other... Not really. ...musings about this episode? Not really. The episode kind of spoke for itself when you watch it. I mean, unfortunately, so you went into this not knowing, but you've since you think I've that known you, you think that you have it spoiled for you, or do you know that you have it spoiled for you? The whole season. Yeah. Do you know who wins? Like, do you? Are like, I, I know that you heard something, but are I, you? How confident are you that you got the actual answer? I would say because it was a random like scroll through something looking for like an episode name or something. Oh. Uh, and some, I could have swore I scrolled by and said it like, I thought I saw a name and winner. And I'm at this point, I would say I'm probably like 99% sure that that is who ends okay. up winning. Unfortunately. Well, I'm not going to confirm or deny. Yes. Till next week. Yeah. Well, so much for ending on a positive note. No, that's, I mean, it's not a, it's not yeah. a negative note. Like most of the time we leave the show pretty defeated about. Yeah. You know, interpersonal relationships and rape culture and whores <laughs> who was but no that's it right i would say yeah Alrighty. went over everything cracked some jokes here and there got the details went in. on a fuck ton of tangents a lot of tangents in this one that's fine apologize we've only had well, each i can't other say in advance because it's the end of the episode yeah Pol apologies in retrospect and yeah hindsight <laughs> but um, hopefully everyone enjoys yeah you want to tell them where they can find us yeah, you can find the podcast on Facebook at Rewind the Love 
podcast. Why I, do you have so much trouble with this? I think because I've been talking for almost right. three hours. You can find us on Facebook at Rewind the Love Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rewind Love Pod. You can find Sonia on Twitter. At Sonia Marie Says. You can find myself at Mr. Feeney 519 uh, Thank you all for listening, continuing to support. Uh, please... Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Tell friends who don't suck. Five uh, star reviews. Yes. Leave us reviews, please. Five stars, please. We could really use the help. I and really then, appreciate it. Thank you in advance. Yes. Send us messages on Twitter. Interact. Have fun. Yeah, we love to hear from you. More episode ideas you. if you like the music one. Maybe we do movie stuff. Other maybe. music artists. Who knows? Anyway, please just stay safe. Stay smart. Practice social distancing. Yeah. Thank you again to everyone who is a first responder or on the and front lines fighting right now. Staying home. Yes. All right. Love you. Bye. Yes. Goodbye.